Hey, this is Bruce Boudreau, and you're listening to Empty Betters with Nick Mack and Harrison. Everybody and welcome back to episode 200 of Empty Betters. Man, that is really weird to say out loud, but uh, yeah, it's our 200th episode. My name is Harrison Scholes. I'm your host today. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Hopefully you boys didn't just see uh, my beer explode all over me. I think she was a little bit excited for episode 200 like I am. So it's just crazy to think that we're here at 200. Um, it has been an absolute ride, for lack of a better word. And um, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy this one. It should be a good one. Started way back in September of 2019. And here we are in February of 2024. A lot of shit's going down in the last five years and we're still kicking. So we appreciate all the fans always listen and support us i am now going to toss it across the screen to my other co-host who joined us in 2020 up in wisco mr mac vogel what's going on my friend how we doing y'all yep episode 200 good to be here uh feels feels crazy i echo what all y'all said um but hey we made it and uh here's the 200 more right I love the uh, the shade you're rocking with, rocking with. It's sort of like first interview with Fucali vibes when he rocked out the right. shades. That is, <laughs> it is. Yeah, the, shout out to my uh, my girlfriend. These are actually hers, and she's like obsessed with them. But she left them here, so not my fault. So we got um, a little. Okay. I heard those are yours now. Yeah, exactly. They're uh, they're hearts too, if you can't tell. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, it's the reverse hoodie law. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Well, we got a special epi on tap here for episode 200. Going to have a little fun with this one. Big interview on tap. Uh, first off, want to announce that. We were lucky enough to be joined by former NHL goaltender and king of the one-punch knockout, Mr. Brent Johnson. Former Capital, former Penguin, former Coyote, and St. Louis Blue. Was a blast chatting to him. So we appreciate him coming on. Thought it was a really fun interview. Uh, and then later in the episode, we're going to have some EB trivia and a couple fan questions of uh, just some empty better slash podcast stuff later in the episode um, for those who are maybe interested in starting one or you have one already or whatever. But a little bit of a different vibe this episode, kind of celebrating a little bit. Um, before we get rolling, what did you guys ha- do for your Super Bowl weekend? Uh, we always have a big... excuse me we have a big party here there was probably about i don't know uh 12 15 of us something like that and um you know just everybody makes a different snack uh unlimited miller lights essentially um yeah it was a good time i mean the game was a good one which was cool because everyone was nice and invested for like the whole game so that was fun um bummer about the result but you know we one of my buddies is a 49ers fan and uh he was he was pretty inconsolable (laughs) 
at the end of the game. I had to, I had to take him on a little walk after the game so he could so he could shake that one off. But uh, did the TV survive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. It's understandable. We all we all been there through the uh, the heartbreak of our beloved teams. So I get it. Is it Rippy? No, it's uh, uh, my my buddy Max. I'm not sure if you met him or not. I saw your your IG story and I thought I saw like the Rippy hair and I was like, no, like mm-hmm. not Rippy. He can't lose. No, he was busy ripping up the kitchen, right? Exactly. He was. Yep. Yeah. That Shout good. out to uh, that was that's always the highlight of our Super Bowl party. He makes these unreal like fried chicken sliders and it's like better than Chick-fil-A, better than any like like commercial fried chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. It's, I it's also, so fucking good. Like I love how you call them sliders when in the instagram story you posted they are just full-size chicken sandwiches i think well, it has to be a midwest thing right well they're on a they're on a mini like hawaiian roll but the chicken itself is so fucking big it's like <laughs> hanging over it so it's yeah call it what you want nick what about your weekend nothing too crazy just watched it with the fam i you know you guys you know me when it comes to super bowls i am not you know i love going to super bowl parties and hanging out with my friends but if it's going to be something where i can't hear the game you know, there's people constantly walking in front of the TV or I have to do the little plate thing. I'm not about it. So just took it easy with the fam. Um, I sent you guys some snaps. I whipped up some pasta sauce, some meatballs. My dad made these amazing like buffalo chicken, like brown chicken meatballs with like blue cheese and onions in them. They were so good. Little buff chicky dip, little pigs in a blanket. It was a blast. That sounds absolutely phenomenal. Thoughts on the game, fellas, like real quick before we get started. I mean... Like Mahomes. I mean, like, I was so hard for the Niners. I used to live in the Bay Area. I used to live down the street from Bryant Young, who played for the 49ers. And, you know, there's hilarious stories of like us having block parties and this 300 pound defensive lineman is playing touch football with five, six, and seven year old kids. And, um, you know, Jeff Gordon was in attendance rooting for the Niners as if, you know, that wasn't going to sway me enough. But, <laughs> I mean, both offenses, man, I think you have to look at them and say they didn't really do a good job. And I don't know how Chris Jones doesn't win MVP. Uh, well, you know why. But It's, you know, the National Quarterback League. But other than that, I feel yeah, like he yeah. should have won it. Those uh, That game tying drive and that game winning drive, it was just like ultimate legacy game on the line, third and fourth down conversions that are just the only – Mahomes can make it's it's ridiculous I mean I don't personally care for him too much but I can't deny the fact that you know there's a couple fourth downs and third and six on the game tying drive where he just keeps it on the option and I'm like this fucking guy he d- doesn't even have to throw the ball sometimes it's crazy how good he is um I guess I guess congrats to the Chiefs um I'm not sure maybe congrats to Taylor Swift I don't know can we talk about like the most significant part of the Super Bowl? And that was the Nickelodeon coverage, because that was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Like, Un- unreal. <laughs> just yeah. the most absurd, nonsensical <laughs> stuff ever, which was fantastic. I think my favorite bit had to be that Squidward was still waiting in line for the bathroom and he hasn't seen any of the game. That was fantastic. The um, <laughs> the my leg guy that they like. Put him in the stands and had someone drop something on him. It's just absurd. Yeah, I like. Uh, they had it's, they had a thing on Travis Kelsey on the sideline, and instead of saying like Travis Kelsey number eighty seven, they had Taylor Swift's boyfriend. I actually thought that was pretty clever. Um, I enjoyed that, but yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, took it easy. Nothing too crazy. I actually couldn't move, so that's probably why I took it easy. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, little little hungover Chipotle never hurts anybody. But there you yeah, go. It was a 
was a Sunday for recovery. I do have to say, um, for anyone who I, I apologize, followed me on any type of social media, um, was over in uh, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona, over the weekend for uh, one of my best friend's bachelor parties. Keep this at the uh, PG version. But essentially, I had no idea what I was signing up for when I agreed to go to this cross-country bachelor party. Nick, I feel like maybe you would have had an idea. Like the Waste Management Open is truly like the rowdiest sporting event in the world. It's absurd. I mean, it's basically a couple steps away from being like the snake pit at the Indy 500 or like the infield party at Daytona. It's just nuts. Like it's just a party that happens to be next to a sporting event, for lack of a better word. And, you know, I think we've all seen the the headlines and how crazy the 2024 edition got. So is this going to happen next year or, or are they done with it now? So I feel like, you know, I, I have some g- golf friends who were on that trip that we're talking about and they're like, they have to keep it because it generates a lot of money. It was actually, right. I think, I can't remember what the term is. I'm not a golf guy, but it was like a premier event or elevated event mm-hmm. last year. So like the purse was pretty big and they had the big guys out there. But I mean, to give you folks an idea. So there's four days of the tournament. We went on Friday, which is day two. It rained on the day one on Thursday, so they didn't get to finish the round. So some of it leaked over into Friday. We were up at 4.45 in the morning, caught an Uber to wait in line, and got there around, I think, probably around 5.30-ish. And we were not let in until 8.30. Dude, that's like some secret shit right there. Like that's like Memorial Day weekend waiting in the parking lot in Ocean City for like four and a half hours to pay 60 bucks to get into something. It was madness, man. They said originally everyone would be let in at seven. There was like these frost delays. So they delayed it until, I guess, eight or eight thirty. And for those who don't know, like the big place that everyone wants to be is the 16th hole. It's a par three. You can see where everything is. And they have like this like little four thousand person stadium surrounding it. So you get like bleacher seats, basically. And you're not standing in the grass and everybody wants to wait in line early in the morning because you have to run to it. You can't like buy a seat there and stay. If you're general admission, you have to literally run to it. So we're all like dying, right? Everyone's got to go to the bathroom. Everyone's got to eat breakfast. Like everyone's like, what the fuck? It's been three hours. And then out of nowhere, it's like a silent, like a silent hut, like just like no silent count. Nobody says anything. And people just start fucking sprinting like as fast as they can. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, like, all right, I guess here we go. And since it rained the day before, the sidewalk was kind of slippery. It is a half mile sprint to get to hole 16. And it was in one word to describe it. I was thinking about this today. It was barbaric. Like, that's (laughs) that's the word I would use. So, like, you're running up this hill and it's windy and, like, people are tripping over the curb. My, you know, my buddy stepped on someone's fucking face. Like, people are getting trampled. Jesus. Yeah, it was, it, shit. It, it was like, sort of, I, I was like, this is the Hunger Games. Like, it was kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, you know, people are shoving and throwing elbows and then you wait in line. We all made it. We all lost each other, then found each other. It's a get, group of eight guys. We got there um, and then we got our seats. And at first we're like, all right, we're here. It's like 9 a.m. Like, let's go. And we look back in the beer concession stand has a line of just like a thousand people. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like, there's no chance we're going to get served today. Like, this sucks. Well, we were proved wrong after about an hour. It kind of died down. 
you literally just walk up the stairs and there's the beer line. And let's Oh, just nice. say that, you know, they serve them in the little green cups and uh, those cups got filled up pretty quick if, <laughs> if you're catching on. And uh, I posted this <clears throat> on Snapchat, which is now deleted, um, or Instagram if you follow me. So they do this thing where it's like feed the snake, you know, like people from Wrigley Field claim that they started at max. I had like four Chicago people say this is a Cubs thing. And I'm like, is it? Like, Can you confirm I, or deny do you it? think I care right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, the Cubs love doing it uh, at Wrigley. I don't know if they started it. I feel like it's just a, a like almost like you said, a barbaric sports thing. It's just like a dumb thing that boys like to do. Like, Yeah, I, I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't I, know how else to explain it. I don't I, think I, like anyone if we were really drinking deserves out credit of for it. Like, if it we just were drinking out of Legos, we would build Legos, but we just have cups to play with. like literally, I'm saying that like. To say that you invented it is kind of like saying like you invented like drinking beer or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like, like yeah. just, yeah, Well, I people I thought do this. I thought of you, Matt, because it was the Chicago thing. I was like, oh, Chicago baseball. I wonder if Matt knows this. But anyways, um, the we made a snake and. If this gets clipped, Nick, I'll send you the footage and we'll turn the audio off because it's just fucking incredible. The first snake was three different sections of dudes who were all on bachelor parties at the same time, of which were wearing Hawaiian shirts, banana suits, caddies, and like just pieces of toast bread. <laughs> they combine all of them and they make this mega snake that was on television. And my I think it was my sister sent me a picture of it. And it's just the... biggest fucking snake you'll ever see it's as tall as like the scoreboard it was insane and then the cops ended up coming they had to take it down we ended up building four snakes over the course of the day i'll keep it short because i could drag this on forever but just pure degeneracy like i can't believe it's legal that they let people actually attend this event I heard some of like, you know, we all heard that they had to cut off beer sales and a lot of people who had tickets didn't get in on Saturday. But I heard some of like the actual behavior was just complete lunacy this year. Like it was significantly worse than years past. He had like the guy across from us was motorboating a chick's tits that went all over like TikTok, like everywhere. It was crazy. Oh my God, It was crazy. bro. And like the guy, like the, you know, the sign guy who comes by with like the sign with the scoreboard, everyone's like, oh, and then when he changes it, they go, oh, they go, sign guy, sign guy. And everyone, hey. I'm like, this is just like stupid. Yeah. Like, why? And like, you know, they move the pin from the first round to the second round. And the same thing, the guy moves the pin like, oh, and then when he slams it into the grass, they go, oh, and then they go, move that hole. Move. It's it's nuts. Um, and last thing I'll say, I know I'm dragging this. The Siwoo Kim um, fan club that like followed him around the course. I don't know how they did that. Probably the coolest thing I've ever seen is when he's on 16 And they all start chanting, "Woo, there it is!" And they got the whole crowd to do it. And he, I think he birdied that hole. Loudest thing I've ever heard. It was super cool. So shout out to those guys. But yeah, WMO was was a time. Successful bachelor party is what I'm hearing. It was a successful bachelor party. I am two for two on pooping on my last two uh, plane rides. So there's that one as well. So That was going to be my next question nice. is how did the return come? You know, the, on the flight home, did we, Horrible, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I, I thought I was going to throw up the entire time. I was so nauseous. Oof. Yeah. And, uh, So you know, now that you've had the two experiences, one trying to come out the front and one coming out the back on the airplane, which one was worse? the back. This one was brutal. Okay. <laughs> 
I, it was not fun, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was a great weekend. I want to send you guys some footage. Maybe we'll post it out. Maybe we won't. I don't know. It depends if it's PG enough or not, but uh, that is my WMO story. It was a great time. And a uh, shout out to my buddy, Mike. Congrats on the uh, marriage here in a month. All righty. We're going to move on to business. Uh, Brent Johnson interview coming up here shortly. Uh, we do want to let you guys know that the shoot the puck merchandise is now on our merch store. Uh, Nick, I, I know you designed this. You want to go into a little more detail? Yeah, super intricate design, boys. I had to spend like 400 hours on this one. I mean, it, it just took me forever to come up with this. There's a lot of layers to it. A lot of uh, some yeah. messaging going on. Yeah, ogres have layers. My designs have layers. No, I'm totally kidding. This is super simple, super fun design. If you're tired of yelling at your team to shoot the puck, go ahead and get a hat. All you have to do is this or a shirt. All you have to do is this. And I've practiced that like 20 times today. So it's <laughs> actually pretty easy. Just doing a lot of pointing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, basically, like, we know there's plenty of that guy listening right now. If you're that guy, just go buy the shirt. I also see three of them right now. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, I, the guy speaking right now, not even listening, are probably guilty of that. I've yeah. also started to use the phrase, shoot the puck, just in any situation where I'm frustrated. So, like, the other day I was moving a bunch of boxes. I dropped something. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Shoot the damn puck. That's actually so good. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to adopt that one myself. Yeah. So uh, before we toss it off to Brent Johnson, we got our QOTD. I have one hockey-related and one I just thought of as I was finishing the WMO storyline. My first one, I'm going to knock it out that's related to the golf tournament. Do, are you guys familiar with smelling salts? Yep. Okay, so like you see a guy going like this, right? Like under his nose. What's the first thing you're thinking of if you see him in public? You think he's doing like actual drugs? If he's going like this smelling salt, if he's going like this with his necklace cocaine. No, like you could see the pat. You could probably notice there's a pat little packet in his hand. Yeah, you crack it, it yeah. turns red and you go like yeah, this. Yeah, smelling salts. Do you think that it's a widely known thing that people use smelling salts? Maybe not necessarily at a golf tournament is the most common place, but like in general. Um... My friends and I have used them on bachelor parties before, now that you bring it up. Okay, so I'm not crazy, because yeah. there was one chick who was accusing, uh, you know, we were having salts just to wake up. She's like, you guys are doing cocaine. I'm like, are you crazy? She's like, no, like, you, how's that not illegal? Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to call the police. And I was like, it's a fucking smelling salt. And I was this like and... a like an attendant, or was this just a random person that was accusing no, you? No, she of... was pretty obliterated, but oh, I just, okay. I found that interesting. I was fuck? like... I was like, you think we're doing cocaine like out in the open? If I break this packet open and inhale the ammonia that's in there, I'm pretty sure it's going to go really, really bad. So, you yeah, know, I'll just I stick just with the smelling salts. I didn't know if it was like an unknown thing and it's like a hockey guy thing because I know hockey. like Yeah, you know, it's a right? big hockey thing for sure. Men's league and yeah. stuff. But anyways, I would use them before swim meets too. Yeah. I, I can see that. I yeah. know, a little, little crunch. Um, all Clear right. The so, What'd you call? Clear the pipes. Clear the pipes, yeah. Hockey QOTD, make it quick. I saw this on Instagram today, and I, I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts are. Capitals and Penguins are off limits. Not that that would even make a difference, because you'll see where I'm going. What would be your dream Stanley Cup matchup for this coming playoffs? You know, now that we brought it up last episode, this whole Bruins-Canucks 2011 rematch is really jumping out to me. And mainly because that keeps the Rangers, Hurricanes, Islanders, Devils out of the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> oh, 
be a good one though. That's a fair point. I don't know. That's a tough one. I got to think about it. The, the hardest part about this is I kind of fucking hate everyone in the Eastern conference that isn't the Washington capitals. Um, and the red Wings, sabers and senators aren't making the Stanley cup. Final. No. So it's like, I'm not even like going to include that. I would say, I think Vancouver would be really cool, but I'll pick something else. Since you said that I'll say like LA or maybe even like, I think, um, I think the jets would be pretty cool. That would be fun. They got to the cup final. Just that fan base is so diehard that like, that would be really cool to see. And then from the East as like a matchup, I mean, can you imagine if it was like Winnipeg and Toronto or something like that? Like that would actually be unreal. Plus, like, um, if it's in Winnipeg, then the cup parade gets to be in the snow in June, which is going to be awesome. Right. Or if if we go the L.A. route, I think it'd be pretty, pretty cool still if it was like L.A., New York or something like that, like L.A. Rangers again, yeah. you know. Ooh, little Jonathan Quick rematch. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool. I like that. What about you, Harry? I think the popular one, and I agree with this, is definitely, you know, Oilers, Leafs, McDavid, Matthews. That would be pretty cool. I'm not going to deny that, but I'll kind of do something else. Um, I think another really good matchup in terms of just raw hockey, maybe not necessarily storylines. I think Florida and Colorado would be a great series. 96 rematch. Yeah. You got a little Nick cousins action, stirring it up. You got some beauty talent, you know, uh, second in the league in goals, Sam Reinhart going up against the MVP, probably Nate McKinnon. Um, you know, some good goaltending matchups, two Russian goalies. I think that would be a great matchup. I think it would be a really interesting goalie matchup too, because you have sort of like high octane offensive players on both sides and goalies who, you know, I think Bob has looked good this year. I don't, you know, is he like a top five goaltender in the league? I wouldn't necessarily say that myself right now, but I think you could probably say the same out of Georgiev. Yeah. I also think both teams have a lot of defensemen who are, who have a huge offensive upside, just a lot of, a lot of skill, a lot of firepower up and down the lineup. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, now that you've bared with us through all the shenanigans, we'll get down to it with the interview with Brett Johnson. Uh, but before we do, I think Nick has a word from our sponsor, Kane Footwear. Absolutely. I'm rocking my canes right now. 200 episodes. You better believe I'm tired. My back and my knees have been stuck at this desk for a long time. So that's why I've got my cane revives on. They're changing the way you recover with their bounce back foam made from sugarcane technology. Head to the link in our bio today to get a pair of the most comfortable shoes you will ever own. We are going to toss it off to Mr. Brent Johnson right now. All right. It's now my pleasure to welcome onto the Empty Betters podcast, Brent Johnson. Brent, thanks so much for joining us for our 200th episode. I know we're really excited to uh, to ask you some questions, but uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Well, 200th episode. It's my pleasure, guys. Mac, Vogues, it's, uh, it's well, finally, nice to meet you. And, uh, and, and good to see you. I, I love your dad so much. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, just thanks for having me on gentlemen. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah. So, uh, we always start the starter interviews the same way pretty much every time. So, uh, we'll do the same here and ask you the question of what's, uh, like your earliest hockey memory. Um, what are some of your, some of your earliest memories of, of the game? Uh, I would go back to, um, probably, mites you know um and well i mean you go back further than that just skating out on you know frozen ponds in michigan but i think you know kind of organized hockey was mites playing defensemen for the uh 
Farmington Flyers back in the day. And uh, uh, my coach, I can, I can remember my coach, Mr. Butler, calling me the best one-handed defenseman in the league. I never put two hands on the stick, obviously. I don't know why. Um, but I guess that was kind of uh, foreshadowing what I was going to be going into uh, a little later on in uh, my minor hockey days. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously uh big, you have big hockey history in your family too. So I'm sure that that had to play a role in you kind of getting involved from the jump, right? It did. It did. I mean, yeah, from the start, uh, you know, I've always been around it. Uh, you know, my grandfather, as I was growing up as a kid was a, um, well, I'd say he's a pretty big deal around the, the Detroit uh, Red Wings organization. Um, he was a, a, color analyst um for radio and um which at the time i had no idea i just thought it was cool that i could go to the the red wing games with him um and you know it wasn't until a little bit later that i realized how important my grandfather uh was and my grandfather's name was sid abel um centerman of the production line and uh, you know, just kind of growing up around that history and then kind of learning it as I go, you know, you take it for granted as a kid. And then, uh, you know, you, you're like, Oh my God, I guess, I guess my, my, my grants was, was a pretty big deal around here. I mean, you know, Stanley cup winner, uh, multiple times, uh, league MVP, uh, captain coach, uh, general manager. I mean, he did, he did it all for the Red Wings organization and he went, moved to Chicago and all that stuff. Um, and so there was uh, quite the history. And then obviously my mom falling for a, a, you know, a goaltender and, uh, and my dad having played uh, with Pittsburgh and St. Louis uh, uh, as a goalie. And it just kind of, went from there, you know, he didn't, he didn't throw me in goalie. This is the best part. He didn't throw me into goalie too early. He asked, actually asked if I wanted to play um, when I was about two, 11 or 12 years old. And I was like, let's do it. And never look back from there. Growing up, did you have like a favorite player that you gravitated towards? Or maybe once you transitioned into playing goal, was there a goalie you tried to model your game after at all? I, I was, I think because I, I played for like, this is how silly it is. I played for the Farmington Flyers. So I liked everything Philadelphia Flyers back when I was growing up. Um, I also loved the the Red Wings at the time as well. Uh, you know, growing up just outside of Detroit. But something about the Flyers I was gravitated toward. Uh, I You know, I liked uh, uh, all the big names, uh, you know, uh, for the Philly, all the big bruisers. But then when I turned and played goal. It was always Ron Hexall. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Ron Hexall, uh, shoot the puck like Ron Hexall, be feisty like Ron Hexall, fight like Ron Hexall, all that stuff. And, um, and he's always been kind of that, uh, that guy I always looked up to as a goaltender. Talk about your, uh, your junior career. Obviously you're in the OHL with the Owen sound. Um, yeah. And then we'll get transition into your NHL career shortly after. Sure. But what was your junior career experience like? Uh, it was it was different. Well, just just prior to that, you know, we had I, I played um, like June, which called tier two junior in 
for CompuWare um, in Detroit. And um, we were still at that point. We were like, what are we going to do? Are we going to go the collegiate route or are we going to play junior and try and go ma play major a somewhere? And um, it was one of the decision was simple. It was where are you going to play more? And also, are you a student? Which I was not. So we chose uh, the junior route um, and it turned out kind of backfired if you look at it from a whole uh, my first year there because it was a lockout year. So here I am as this little rookie 17 year old kid and then Jamie Storr comes back, Kevin Weeks comes back and it's just like, whoa, 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 wait a second here. I'm not going to play, am I? And for the first half of the season until they got everything squared away in the NHL, that was basically how it was. Um, I was kind of relegated to a third, if not fourth string goaltender to start off my uh, junior career. So as much as I wanted to play more, oh man, there's going to be 66 games and I'd probably get the majority of them. And it ended up, no, my, co my coach, my coach is like, I remember Jerry Harrigan, my coach, he, uh, he's like, you know what? We're, we're not very good. I mean, it's, this is not quote unquote, we're not very good, but I'm going to put you in against the best teams in the league. This is, this is something that still resonates in my head. So I played like the, the powerhouses, like the North Bays, the Sudbury's getting all the work, 60 shots, a game, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up working because that was my draft year. Ended up working in my favor from there. I played, I think I was like three, nine, and one or something my, my first year. And <laughs> just got crushed every, every time I was out there. But one person, and that's how lucky it is, right? One person saw me play. And that was a scout for, at the time, Quebec Nordiques. And that's all it took. And they took a chance on me. Um, I enjoyed the rest of my junior career. My next two years there, played a ton of games. Uh, didn't have much success in the playoffs. But uh, other than that, it was fantastic three years in, in junior in Owen Sound, a great city in the summer, a tough city in the winter. Um, so, you know, you, you look for things to do there. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And uh, like I said, it's, it, and this is for like a lot of kids out there. It's, it's, you can have the talent, you can have all that, the, the moxie and everything, but man, it, it truly takes sometimes the right place, right time. And, uh, yeah, because after junior, I was like, I might not be playing hockey again. I have no idea, um, until I signed that NHL contract. What was your draft experience like? You know, you talk about, hey, I may never play again. And then going into getting drafted to the NHL, what was that process like for you? Well, it was it was big. Um, you know, I, I, being, you know, that first year in, in junior and then getting drafted that next summer, um, it was huge. I didn't I wasn't expecting it. Um that was when um, the Nordique kind of trans uh, transferred from Quebec into Colorado and Colorado takes a shot. Right. And the thing that kind of like stuck out to me was that they took another goaltender 
Mark Denis in the first round, 26th overall, I believe, if I'm right. So I was like, oh, not really going to get a fair look at there, you know. Um, uh, but went to training camp uh, both years in Colorado and absolutely lit it up. I, I was on fire, um, uh, you know, going in there with some, like just, you know, some old names like Stefan Fisset and, you know, Mark Denny, who I love. is just an absolute tremendous guy. Um, and then, you know, the, the following season was Patrick Wine. You know, I'm like, come on, this is, is this not the greatest thing? But I, I mean, I don't know if it's just in my head or what, but I, I felt like I was on, on the, I don't know. I'm on the better side of what people were expecting of me, you know? Um, and I, I continued to impress and, uh, and in training camp, but that's where guys, that's where I was just kind of like after that, that second year tra in training camp. And then I played that last year in junior. I was just like, you know what? I don't know. I just, it, there's not a spot in Colorado for me. It's like a goalie mill there, you know, and um, it just took, you know, I, I was I was working in the summer with my dad, hammering nails, going construction sites with him, um, keeping busy, uh, still getting on the ice from time to time. But more so, I was like that. I was, uh, you know, I was a 19 year old and I was like, shit, is hockey done? I don't know, because I might not get a shake in Colorado. And then right then, it was like middle of the summer, and I remember it so vividly, gentlemen. My mom coming back from a work site with, from my, with my dad, and my mom running. And this is so this is how I'm dating myself, okay? My mom running outside on our porch, and she's screaming at the top of the lungs. We can't make out what she's saying. And, and she's like, guys we got to get to a fax machine. We didn't have a fax machine back then. We, we didn't have <laughs> much, much of anything, but we got to get to a fax machine uh, because they're, they're, you've just been traded from Colorado to St. Louis and they want to sign you to a three-year deal. And, and I was like, what? This is crazy. And I was like, $450,000. What in the Sam hell am I going to do with that? Anyways, uh, that's besides the point. It's, it was just amazing that, you know, things kind of worked the way they did. One thing you think you're not playing next thing you're signing, uh, uh, in, in my eyes, a, a pretty big contract for, you know, the caliber of goaltender that I was, um, and, you know, now going to training camp in St. Louis and it was, uh, it was pretty remarkable, pretty awesome. Um, and one of the main things is that, my grandfather, who was still living at the time, my father, just the pride, the pride that uh, they had uh, for me uh, was was fantastic. It really was um, such a cool thing. That's such an awesome story. So now I'm curious, like you get to St. Louis. What are some of your like first memories of kind of like being welcome to to that organization? Like who are some of the first faces you saw when you get there and, and that kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that, those were the Brett Hall, the Al McKinnis, the uh, Chris Pronger, uh, Pierre Turgeon days. I mean, this is some of the best hockey players 
to ever play the game were on this one team. I mean, it was eye-opening. It was, it was, uh, you know, surreal. And, um, and, you know, you just, you, you look back and, and you think about those days and just, I was like, man, I was just such a little, you know, cocky thought that I knew everything kid. And, um, and it, it was amazing. I, you know, I played three years in the minors with some, with some call-ups from time to time, uh, playing a few games um, for St. Louis, but mostly in Worcester, uh, Massachusetts, which another organization that I absolutely loved um, and, uh, and adored. And they really took care of, care of the guys. And St. Louis was another, you know, just the bigger part of that was, was phenomenal. They were always great to, uh, the players, the organization was a classy organization, a class act. Um, and, uh, I enjoyed my time there. Some pretty, uh, stacked teams. Some of the names you just oh, yeah. mentioned, um, that Oh one Oh two season in particular, when I look at it, it's bringing back some, some great names from my, uh, my early days, but, um, you guys had a pretty good playoff run there. I mean, obviously, it, it looks like you know you're running into the Detroit Red Wings, who are basically yes. a team of all Hall of Famers in that era. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you want to talk about that playoff run? Well, yeah. I mean, so i I got a taste. That was that was my second year in the league. Uh, my second uh, full year in the league. Um, my first year was behind Roman Turek and. Uh, towards the end of it was, it was like we came up against powerhouses like every time. I mean, we had an unreal team, but there was Colorado back then and all of the cups and then D the start of hockey town in Detroit when they were just the Konstantinovs and the Fedorovs and the Eisenmans and blah, you know, the list goes on and on. And, um, and uh, you know, that first, that first year I'm, I remember we're playing Colorado. We're down. I want to say we were down three, one in the uh, series and we're heading to Colorado uh, for game five. And then the coach or no, not actually the coach um, Scott Mellonby comes to me on the plane. And now you got to remember when you're basically with the black aces back then, I, I was not playing. I was, I was second string. I was on the bench. But I was not playing. Roman Turk was playing every single game. And then Scott Mellonby comes comes up to me. Now, times have changed. This doesn't happen anymore, guys. All right. He says to me, hey, listen, I wouldn't go out tonight. Because we were going, we were probably, <laughs> we were, we were finding somewhere to go out, you know, have dinner yeah. and have some drinks and whatnot. Uh, because like I said, you're a cocky, cockeyed kid and you're just, you know, just out there having a good time. Uh, he goes, because you might be playing tomorrow. And he told me that. And I, I remember Reed Lowe, who was the enforcer on our team. He was one of the black aces as well. And, and he said that I just went another shade of pale. Like, I, <laughs> like the blood had wow. rushed out <laughs> of my face and. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, I'd never, hey, I'd never taken a sleeping pill before that, but I needed to that. I needed to. I took an Ambien for the first time. And I don't, that's the, by the way, it's the worst thing in the world. Um, those things. And tried to sleep, maybe got a couple hours sleep. We lost 2 1. 
in overtime uh, off a Joe Sackick deflection. Um, and then my coach comes to me, Joel Quinville, and he says, I should have started you sooner. I should have started. And, and that kind of resonated with me. I was like, man, it would have been awesome if you did, because as soon as that game ended, I was like, I want those guys again. I want to play them again. Like, and obviously you, you season's over, go home, kid. That's about it. Um, going into that next year. And you remember, you said you were looking at the, how stacked our lineup was. You run into the powerhouse Detroit Red Wings um, again. And, you know, we were thinking that, you know, made it through Chicago in five. Uh, Chicago was a pretty good club at the time. And then coming up against uh, Detroit, we're thinking we had a really good shot, but they were absolutely dynamite in front of the net. I mean, talk about trying to see in front of some of these guys, Holmstrom's and friggin' Lidstrom blasting pucks from the point was, I mean, they were, they were just too good. They, they were absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, a good experience. Uh, once again, a w- wish we could have done more with that team back then uh, because we were so stacked. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Scott Mellaby, uh, you had Keith Kachuk, you had, uh, you know, Pronger, McKinnis, Scott Young, Terza. I mean, like you said, it, it was, it was so good. And we thought we were kind of destined and it didn't happen. Um, but we stayed close. It was a close series, even though we lost. Anyways, long story short, we got our asses kicked. <laughs> I have to ask this question as I'm thinking of this, just some of the guys that you've played with. Have you ever had a broken hand from your from your glove? I mean, you've had some freaking slap shots and against some of the guys that you've played with. I mean, McKinnis, Pronger, Ovi, like Yes. Uh well, what was so great about McKinnis, right? Uh Al was like he had an absolute rocket, but what made him so great is that he could get it off so damn quick. I mean, you got to remember back in those days, you're transitioning from wood to aluminum. All right. And once he got that aluminum stick, it, his release was just uh, like otherworldly. Um, and I can remember a story of being called up and I was just called up to back up a game. And I think I was backing up. Grant Fuhrer was injured. And I was backing up Jamie McLennan. And I'm out there and warm up and just taking shots. And Brett Hall comes in and he and I just get lucky. Right. I just get lucky with one. It kind of hits the tip of my glove and stays in. And he goes, I damn near ripped your wrist off, didn't I, son? (laughs) (laughs) And and I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I had it all the time. But he did. It was like it was he had that type of of release. But, yeah, you talk about. Some of the guys I was fortunate to play with, um, just not, and it's just not about their shots, just about how headsy and smart they were. You know, we talk about the defensemen in St. Louis, but Ovi and Backy and, you know, Semin here, these guys were so, so good. Um, and then Crosby. I mean, it, like, just it's another level of smarts in the game. And like I said, for me, from a guy that really didn't know if he'd have a shot playing in the NHL to play with some of the best, if not the best in the modern era, uh, so damn fortunate. 
out of all those guys, I mean, you mentioned them. They're so talented. Was there one that was just, you know, head and shoulders above the rest? Like, this guy is so hard to stop when he's got the puck where he wants to shoot it from? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I ran into a few of those guys where you just, like, look at them like they're just natural scorers, right? Yeah. They're just, for some reason, it just seems to go in, whether it's the release or the way they disguise the release or the way they, they're, um, you know, shooting in stride. Um well, around the net, there's no one better than Sidney Crosby around the net. Like if you put him in a tight spot, he is forehand, backhand before. And and you look and I remember just doing drills with him and being like, there's no flipping way. But I didn't say flipping. I was like, there's no way you can do that that fast. <laughs> and and um, so he was so good. I used to. And Ovi scored on me uh, a couple times when I played with Pittsburgh. Um, but I used to absolutely own Ovi in, <laughs> in, uh, in practice, in practice. I mean, that not in games, in practice. Um, and I, I could basically, you know, sense where he was going to shoot every time. And, and he wanted that top glove every time and just take it away easily. Um, but Ovi is another thing. It's like, you know, talk about those two guys just, you know, from uh, Washington and Pittsburgh and how that rivalry started and how unbelievable it was uh, still is in my eyes, um, even though they're they're getting longer in the tooth. Um, I just I, I get that question all the time. Who's better? Who's better? You know, one's, you know, always this natural goal scorer it just goes in. It's just and. Sidney Crosby is a uh, he's a mechanic. I would say he puts in so much work to better himself. He's the last one out there. And, and I know that that's cliche and you hear that all the time, but he really does. He'll be out there working on draws or working on something until every guy gets off the ice. And that's just the way he's been. And um, so I would say from a, if we're talking about those two guys, I would say from a standpoint of all around, Sidney Crosby is probably the best hockey player I've ever played with or against. And Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer I ever played with or against. I know you guys didn't ask me that question, but I <laughs> it just was threw it in there. <laughs> yeah, I just, nice. I just threw it in there anyway. It, it Anyone common. that got to play against those two, though, that's just an otherworldly experience. It is. It is. I mean, I, I can't tell you how grateful – you know, just just looking back, like God, like how how lucky. So you and, are. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I oh, I thought ahead. for sure you were the only goalie to play with both of them. There's only one other, and they he only did it for one season each. Thomas Volkun. Oh, Volks, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, because Volks actually um, came to uh, Pittsburgh, I believe, after I retired. He was in Pittsburgh yeah. uh, for a season. Uh, God, was that, what was that? 12 or it was 13. That 12 th 13. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, he's a heck cool of a goalie too. That is, that is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, I just, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't, I, by the way, I wasn't like saying, Oh, I'm like so cool because I got to play with them. No, I was just I would. very, very, very fortunate. And the best thing about it right now is that I can still call both of them my friends and, um, and I think that that's the greatest thing. And taking that with me till the grave. 
All right. So nice, nice segue into your, your tenure with the caps there, obviously your first year there, same year as a OV rookie oh, year. And um, yeah. that, I mean, being a, being a young caps fan at that time, I remember just going to games and there's no one there and it's just dark, <laughs> dark times for the franchise, yes. but, but you could sense, you know, we're kind of, we're coming out of this and what was kind of your memories of, of like, getting to Washington and, and just kind of the overall uh, like the attitude there in the locker room and the fan base and everything. So this was, uh, so this was the year after the, um, I can't remember if it, if it, it was, I think it, I believe it was a lockout again yep. in Oh four or five. Yep. Um, and so I was one of the dumb idiots like that I, cause I lived, I had been traded to before that I had been traded to uh, Phoenix and I'd lived there uh, from St. Louis. And so I was one of the idiots that I was like, Oh, you know what? This isn't going to last long. And then I had something kind of going where I was going to go play in Europe for a while. Next thing you know, snatched up a goalie already going there. And then I had another gig that I was going to go somewhere. Brian Boucher is there. You know what I mean? And it was just kind of happened. So as soon as that was like, man, now the whole season's gone. What in the absolute hell? And so I was getting on the ice sparingly. So I sign a, God, I don't know. I can't remember if it was a, like a, a PTO or something like that, like a, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks going into that 0506 season, I believe it was. Um, and, um, and then right away, uh, get picked up on waivers by, by Washington. Like you said, Mac, this was an organization that was kind of flailing and, and falling and, but they had something, up in the rafters, right? They had something ready to go. His name was Alex Ovechkin. And um, so I get here, man, a bunch of characters. These freaking guys were fantastic. I mean, just the Matt Bradleys, the the Sotheby's, you know, the Climbers. Uh, list goes was, was on Jamie Heward on. on that team, too? There were some. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? He was fantastic. He had, talk about a cannon. That kid had a freaking cannon. Um, uh, yeah. And he's doing great where he is right now coaching. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and just, just like, you know, beauties in hockey lingo, all these guys are absolute beauties. I would call, I would hope they'd call me a beauty as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. We were subpar. I was absolutely terrible for about the first half of the season. Now, you got to remember, I'm playing with one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game, and Ole Kolzig. Um, so, once again, he was in my wedding. Uh, a guy that I am so grateful to call my friend um, and, you know, union partners in crime. Um, but uh, I that year, again, it was just so weird how it happened. that We, we were, you know, just crumbling every time we stepped on the ice it was six goals against or going into buffalo getting pulled and they were crap too it was just like you know it, it, it couldn't have been worse but then something clicked at the end of the season or near the end i would say it was about february and then i went like on a nine oh and two run or no there was no there was no um 
can't remember. Yeah, th- no, there were shootouts back then. Jesus. Um, but and and then that afforded me to get another contract because I was I was so good nor- towards the end of the season. Um, but then, yeah, got to got to see, you know, number eight just blossom. I mean, we already knew he was going to be absolutely fantastic. But um, 50 is a rookie, you know, though. Right. It's insane. Right. Isn't it? I you mean, were in a, weren't you in net for the uh, the crazy goal against the, uh, the goal? Yep, the goal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky on the bench. Um, we were. It's a good story. I, I don't. I'm. I'm sure you've heard it. The guys you've interviewed. But I'll tell you what. That weekend out west, we were lighting it up, <laughs> lighting it up. I mean, rookie party. Uh, you know, I had guys over to my house in Arizona. We had a huge party there. It was just, it was crazy. Um, but I remember Glenn Hanlon said to us, listen, cause this is the, this is the famous, and I don't know have you guys heard the famous, uh, limo on the tarmac. Have any of you guys heard that yet? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Enlighten us. We love a good story on this show. So, all right. So, so we're, we're getting off after, I, I think we played, um, I think we played LA and we, we won, we beat LA and I know Oli Oli was in net and, um, and so like Jeff Halpern captain at the time, he says, all right, just talk to, to Glennie and, he said, if you guys are going to do this, he's going to need some, like, he's going to need ammunition. So you guys are going to have to win. All right. You guys are going to have to win. So we just crush, crush uh, LA. And then we're going into, going into uh, Arizona. And I, I called my buddy there. I was like, Hey, listen, all right. And you got to remember, this is in front of the coaches and everything. I was like, order us a limo. All right. Order us a limo. Have it meet us on the tarmac. So they this my buddy literally did. He's like the limos there. It was this huge limo. We're packed in there. Probably about 15 dudes. All right. The older guys went back to the hotel. Kolzig, uh, Brendan Witt. Um, but all the young guys packed in. And it was probably one of the most unbelievable scenes. People can't believe it to this day. Limo outside, bus right next to it, coaches, everyone going by as we're getting drinking champagne, getting on a friggin' like it's unheard of. And and Halpy's like, don't worry, guys, I got it taken care of. Glennie's gonna, Glennie's gonna go for it. It's gonna be fine. So we just like, see you guys. We're getting in, we're going, going back, going to a party, gonna, gonna light it up. And then uh, a couple days later. After that, that was uh, we had a rookie party there in Arizona. Uh, a couple days later, we just uh, absolutely smoked Arizona six one, and that was the famous goal. And yeah, I was at the other end, and I couldn't believe it went in. Um, but just one of those things in hockey, and especially today, that shit ain't happening. <laughs> absolutely not now. Oh my god. Exactly. One of those guys you mentioned uh, from the Caps days, Alex Semin. Obviously, we've heard some hilarious stories about him on and off the ice. Do you have any like funny stories that stick out or any good memories of him? Oh, I mean, there. there trust me, there's many. Um, I, I got a story where 
I was, um, I never drove with any of like the other guys. I always drove myself to like, we were, we had a game at, uh, at the time, I, I think it was just capital one center or no, I'm, I'm sorry. It was Verizon center. Um, and, uh, I didn't drive for some reason. I didn't drive down to the game. Um, but we're heading out, we're heading to, um, uh, I don't know where we were going, um, after, but we had a game the next night and I was like, I'm either going with Ovi or I'm going with, with, uh, Semen. Right? So I was like, all right, I get in, I get in Semen's car and then on constitution, I'm not kidding on constitution. And it's, it's late. So there's not a lot of cars after the game and no one was going to the games back then anyways. Um, so he's got, he, he's going through from stoplight to stoplight, getting her up to about 90, a hundred miles an hour. In and DC, which is it, in DC. <laughs> and OV is right next to him. I, both of them had these new Mercedes AMGs. Yep. And they were racing from stoplight to stoplight. And the car pulls up, a, a cop pulls up behind Ovi and ends up pulling us over. Ovi gets away scot free. We get pulled over. I was, I'm thinking, they're going to take this guy's license away. There's no way doing 100 miles an hour on Constitution is going to be cool <laughs> and legit. Uh, but they, I, I don't know, I don't know if, if the guy knew him or what. But let him off with a warning and just said to slow down or something like that. And I'm just like, you lucky motherfucker. You are. <laughs> I, I was like, there is no way. They, they are locking me up and throwing away the key if that happens to me. Um, so, yeah, he was. He, it, Alex was, um, you know, stories um, about uh, him off the ice. There are many, but on the ice, like probably one of the most talented guys. Um, uh, I, I don't think he got, um, the credit he was due. Um, but I think talent really doesn't show heart. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's probably what, if, if there were, you know, something against him from the coaching staff or wherever it was, it was we want more emotion and we want more passion in it. And, um, because you can be as 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 good as they come, but you know, or as talented as they come, but man, you got to show a little bit of emotion out there, and you got to show a little heart um, and a lot of try. And I think that was probably, if I'm guessing, one of his major downfalls. Um, but still, one of the funnest guys to be around, and and uh, one of the best hockey players. For sure, you just don't want him showing heart when he's fighting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was that against again? I forget who is uh who is that uh fight against? You guys know the bongo drum? I got it. Was, I think it was the drum. Rangers, right? Was it Mark Stahl? That sounds it, right, maybe. That does that does sound right. Yeah. Could be just just slapping them. I love it. <laughs> uh yeah, he was yeah. I, I mean I, he heard it from, from other guys as well on that too. For uh, sake of time, I, I know we could talk the Washington days all day long, but yeah. I, I'm the Pens fan on the podcast. So selfishly, oh, I'm all right, go is. ahead, buddy. Right, go ahead. Go. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition it because, you know, you're talking about Ovi and Semin. You know, you get to play with the Russian phenoms in their prime. You know, in your Pittsburgh years, Sid goes down with the concussion and 
Uh, I mean, Malkin just took over the league by storm in his absence. I would, I would love to hear, you know, what your experience was like, not only in Pittsburgh, but, you know, backing up flurry and playing with Gino and his prime. What was all that like? Uh, uh, another another organization where you know you went down you know you, you talk about Stahl uh, how Jordan Stahl was just unbelievable Gino was unbelievable Chris Kunitz in front of the net I mean this guy didn't go elbows but nobody want he he reminds me of a modern day Gino Cicerelli uh, sorry Gino not Gino Dino Cicerelli my bad um, but that's like just so hard to move in front of the net. Um, I mean, there were, there were times in, in Pittsburgh, um, and where we were just like, man, everybody's out. We had at, at the time, Sid was out. We had Gino out at, uh, like all at the same time, stall was out and we still kept on winning and finding ways to win. Uh, part of that was the unbelievable play of Mark Andre. Um, but yeah, Gino's one of those guys um that can call his shot you know like he is accurate with and especially um over the over the pad right uh for a goalie um just just under the blocker he could call that shot every single time um a heck of a uh a board battler as well um but i mean just look at it today i mean he's both sid and him are still cooking uh, you know what I mean with dynamite and they're, they're doing awesome there. Um, team's not doing uh, that great, but, um, those two gentlemen are, uh, Gino's a fantastic, funny mofo. I mean, just, you know, you come in and you just like, what, what, what do you want? You know, just, <laughs> it, it is, is so this music, this music fucking suck, suck Johnny. Cause I, I played all the music and, and he hated everything that wasn't house music. You know, they, they, you know, the Russian guys, the Europeans, they love their house music. And I just rock guy, right? Metallica, Zeppelin. I am. Yeah. Zeppelin was, I mean, I, I, I played everything for these guys just to be, you know, to be fair. Um, but I couldn't stand when I had to play like house music or some garbage shit like that. Um, (laughs) But I did it to appease them. Not not often, but I did to appease them. Um, but yeah, Gino's, I mean, he is we're just fucking trash. Terrible. Johnny, you fired. You know, like he'd, he'd say shit like that all the time. Um, another guy we didn't mention, you know, and, and another guy who's still friggin' cooking. There's Chris Letang. Um, you know, he was early on in his career. had already won a cup before I got there. But uh, I mean, just another guy who can skate like the wind. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievably headsy player, um, and tough as nails, tough as nails. Um, uh, love, loved having him as a defenseman, uh, there. And like I said, I can't for hockey players and you guys know hockey. I mean, there, I'd have to really, really think of a guy I didn't like. I, I mean, maybe in all of my career. And it was in junior. It was like Sean Avery. He was just a dick. <laughs> that kind of checks out though. That does check out. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not, great. It, you know what, whatever. I don't, I, I definitely don't like, he is the person he is, right. That's, it's never going to change. I mean, I have Sean Avery stories that just kind of, you know, 
it's just it's just different. It's just a different guy, and and that and that's fine, right? That's fine. We all have we all have our differences, but he was he may be the only one that I didn't like really, you know, like you know, kind of coagulate with. Everyone else is just fantastic, dude, and you just want to be around them. Yeah, I feel like in general, most of the guys in in the locker room in a hockey locker room, you're probably going to get along with. There might be those oddballs, but um. I yeah. do have I do have to ask you because I'm and I'm sure you've gotten this question a thousand times, but one of the most famous highlights in your Pittsburgh career, the fight with DiPietro. Yeah. If you if you're if you wouldn't mind just diving into like one what it went into that, and then Mac was telling us this before the show, the reaction from Flurry afterwards is probably yeah, was, one of the most genuine reactions you've ever seen in an on in a game. Really, I know. Um, yeah, to see, I mean, to still see that clip and to see his reaction after and the reaction of all the guys on the bench, truthfully, but Flower, because he didn't, have, you know, he's just in his hat and he's and he's just absolutely howling on the bench um, was was pretty badass. But um, it, it, the story is, I mean, there's not much to the story. Um, I, I didn't have any ill will toward Rick DiPietro. It was. We were up three nothing with sixteen or under sixteen seconds left to play, and he kind of clips Cook. um, He kind of clips Cookie, and Cookie goes flying. Now at the time, I don't know Cookie could sell anything, right? Like I don't know if he's bullshitting or not, but actually, after looking at it, he really did hit him pretty good. And so I was like, man, there's only fifteen seconds. We're up three nothing. Who gives a shit? Let's go and. Um, going down there, I was first off thinking, how am I going to get around the ref? And then second off thinking, all right, he's a lefty. He catches silly side. So he's a silly sider. So now I'm going to have to grab him with my right. And, um, and then just, you know, it's just one of those, you know, you just grab and I'm a lot lankier than he is. He's a little bit smaller. So. I got my fist got to his face first and um, unfortunate that, you know, like as, as, as much as I'd like to say, Oh my God, it's so cool that I, you know, broke somebody's face, you know, uh, or whatever, but he's an American guy. Uh, and, and it wasn't like I was, I was sitting there to reporters being like, I told him he shouldn't have messed with me or something. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. You know, I, yeah. I, I was trying to be as humble about it as I could. And, um, you know, and I think that that's maybe where hockey guys kind of, we, we don't get ourselves pushed into the mainstream as much because we're more humble than the other major professional sports. Um, whereas if I was just like, yeah, I told that son of a bitch he ever tries that shit again. I'm like, no, I, that would have been awesome if I would have, but no, that's not how it happened at all. Um, uh, and, but you know, that fight, even as, as cool as it was and you know, the fans, it was packed. We, you know, one, three, nothing, another, another W, which is great. Um, Mark Andre Fleury's uh, reaction, but at the time, you know, I didn't know that a couple days later, a couple games later, we're going to go into uh, Long Island and have an absolute slugfest. And that was probably one of the funnest, I remember I remember funnest games, even though we got absolutely lit up that game. <laughs> Everything was going in, didn't matter what they did or what we did. 
they were scoring and they were so riled up because of yeah. that fight and what I did to Di Pietro. And, and I remember um, coach coming to me and saying, all right, you're going to play in Long Island. I was like, you, you got to be kidding, right? They're going <laughs> to be trap. out for blood. They pull, yeah. they pull in like all their friggin' tough guys. I mean, just stack the bench. And so our guys are going down left and right. Everyone's in the penalty box or everyone's hurt and out. Tangrady's friggin' down on the ice. <laughs> I remember uh, that. Gillies, Gillies is yelling Trevor at Gillies. Yeah, from the um, uh, from off the ice. He gets back on the ice. It was just one of those. And then I call out Michael Haley as he's going to the uh, going to the penalty box. And that yeah. I wish Eric Goddard. God, I love him. Another unbelievable, <laughs> fantastic man. Eric Goddard jumps the bench, so he's already looking at a 10-game suspension. I don't know why he's jumping the bench, because I would have handed that little Michael Haley his lunch. Well, at least I think I would have. I don't know if I would have. Um, but, it. like, like it's just one of those, it's, oh, you didn't have to do that. That would have been such an epic performance, because we were getting smoked, <laughs> and we needed something to – uh, or I needed something to feel good about, but no, we just ended up doing a little dosy do with Goddard and Haley, and nothing really came of it. But uh, fun times nonetheless. That's too good. I remember that game like it was yesterday. It's funny you mentioned that. I mean, there was there's like four guys left on either bench. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Old yep. time hockey. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, we won't uh, we won't hold you too much longer. It sounds like. With all these stories, we're gonna have to get you on again sometime soon. But last thing I want to ask you, obviously, you know, you're doing broadcast stuff with the Caps now. Yeah. And um, I, I saw a video from like the Penguins jumbotron. I managed to find it was okay. like they asked you five questions or something like that. And um, oh, Jesus, they said like, you know, what would you be doing if you weren't in hockey? And you said I'd be working in hockey and media or something like that. That's what okay, I okay, yeah, so, yeah. I just want to know what, what's it been like for you, you know, being on TV and, and doing that stuff with the Caps. Well, I didn't. I trust me. I I put my foot in my mouth just uh, as much as you can possibly imagine being on the the telecast. So they use me sparingly. Um, but I never really, when when I retired in 2012, excuse me, when I retired in 2012, I was like, you know, I want to stay close to the game. I want to stay close to the guys as much as I can, and. So I looked to Pittsburgh and I was still in Pittsburgh and I was like, maybe I'll uh, see if I can get on a couple of broadcasts, talk about goaltenders or whatever. And then nothing really panned out there. There wasn't uh, much they could do. Uh, they had their team in place. And then I called Bill Bell uh, here with, uh, at the time, I believe it was Comcast. And, um, and I was like, hey, Billy, would it be all right if I, you know, traveled down and did a couple shows trying to get into the the, uh, you know, the telly side of of the sport and and do some analyst work? And he's like, oh, that'd be great. And I, and I told him at the time, I was like, you know, I can I we can do like a segment on goalies. And that would be like my thing. Now, little did I know that that transitioned into I was going to be talking about everything uh, under the sun when it came to the Washington Capitals. But. Um, I love what I do. Um, and you know, the limited amount of time that I'm on, I still get nervous before I go on. I, I, I want to do it right. Um, and I want to get it right. Uh, and being as accurate as possible. Um, 
but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And it keeps me close to the guys. You know, I get to see the, the, the boys still after uh, before and after games and, and that's a cool side. So um, it's, it's a tough gig. I will say at least, you know, I think it is, uh, it doesn't, nothing rolls off the tongue for me. Uh, like a guy like Alan May, you know, he can, he can talk to a, uh, he can talk to a, the side of a barn for an hour, uh, have a good conversation, but that's just the way he is. And for me, I could talk about goalies anytime you wanted and, and have a lot to say. Um, but I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm grateful that they've kept me on for these shit 12, almost 12 years now. Um, and like I said, doing it sparingly, but it's a lot of fun. And on the other side of that, Mac, the most rewarding thing that I'm doing right now is teaching young goaltenders that that is that's and getting on the ice with these kids, um, seeing them progress. Listen, I've been doing it since I retired and I've seen some goalies flourish, go, go on to, uh, you know, good schools and, and keep playing or major junior um, that I've worked with and it's, it's so rewarding and it's, it's fantastic. I love all the kids that I get on, you know, you get to see yourself as that goalie back in the day. And it's really cool. Uh, like I said, there's nothing like it. And especially if they succeed and really, really enjoy it. Uh, last question for me, just, you know, from the goaltenders that are in the NHL right now that are at the, you know, the top of the the list, the cream of the crop, yeah. is there one that jumps out to you that's just head and shoulders far above the rest? So, I mean, they, yeah, there's, there's lots. I would have said probably a couple of years, I would have said probably Shesterkin. I, I would have said just because he had that monumental run with New York. Um. And then I would have said Vasilevsky, but then now he's had that back surgery. And uh, I, I mean, he's been so unbelievable. I would, if you could be like him, yes, that would be the goalie to kind of mold yourself after. Um, I really like Connor Hellebuck. Really like him. Uh, Thatcher Demko. These are bigger guys, um, big goalies. But I really like the kid also uh, in Nashville is a UC Soros and uh, for a little guy and just how, agile acrobatic he is uh and he makes things for being a smaller goalie he makes it looks look so easy in there and simplistic um and then there's one for my pittsburgh guy there mark andre fleury i still will say that he is the goat in my heart forever he is um i i i only like i mean come on second most wins in history thousand games played Let's go. Let's let's have a parade when he's done. Hopefully not for a couple of years. Um, but this guy deserves everything. Uh, I'll, I'll be completely honest. He is the hardest working goaltender and probably the best goaltender I ever played with. I love hearing that. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for you, Brent. And I, you know it's Valentine's Day, and you're recording with us, so we definitely appreciate that as well. Hey, you know we got we got our Valentine's Day dinner out of the way on Monday, so we're like we're like good, all good. So no worries whatsoever, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolute awesome. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Thanks, Brent. All right, guys, take care. A huge thanks to Brent Johnson for joining us. Thought that was a really fun interview. Hopefully y'all enjoyed that. 
a nice little ex-NHLer action for the uh, 200th episode. So it's always nice. Yeah, absolutely. And just such a cool guy. You know, I know we touched on music taste a little bit with him with the Zeppelin mask. And we talked about the history with his grandfather, which is just so cool, um, especially, you know, like I love that hockey history kind of stuff. So that was a ton of fun. Yeah, just a total hockey family in the truest sense. But uh, yeah, just one more one more shout out to Brent for coming on. Really appreciate that. All righty. Well, let's get into the NHL news and then we'll move into discussion, gambling and some 200th episode celebratory notes. Uh, the streak is over after we posted a YouTube video bashing the Oilers and got ripped apart by half of Alberta. All of a sudden, the streak is over. The comment they, section was um, not happy. For this. <laughs> yeah, they you kind of teed them off a little bit. It is absolutely comical, no, though. Like, I was losing my mind laughing no, at some of the stuff on there. Not worried about it. No, I. People will comment anything negative and they will never comment anything yeah. positive. That's just I also, how it is. Like I do love when it's personal because then it's like now you're just grasping at straws. Like now well, I've pissed you off to the point where you have nothing else to say. It's also funny because we had like the Denny 4500 thing with the Vancouver Canucks like a couple of years ago. That was one guy. Yeah. We just awoke like an army of of like Oilers Denny 4500. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're, if you're an OG listener, you know what Mac is talking about, but Yes, we've pissed off Winnipeg about a month ago. We pissed off all of Edmonton uh, just recently. But Vegas beats the Oilers 3-1 to one to hand them their first loss in 50 calendar days. The streak ends at 16 and will go down as the second longest in NHL history behind the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1993, who still hold the record at 17. Yeah, I don't think that week off did any of those players any favors. Um, yeah, no, I mean, was that was their first game back after all-star break, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. obviously that, that was a little too good to be true in terms of the scheduling and the way that all worked, but, uh, and not yeah. saying they didn't play well, it's just, you know, it's, it's just the way it goes when you've got that much momentum and you're firing on all cylinders and you take a week off and half the guys are in some, you know, exhibition stick handling contest in Toronto and the other half are in Mexico or on a beach in the Bahamas, yeah. you know? Yeah. So shout out to Vegas for jacking that up because I would have hated for them to break that streak. And then we uh, help our YouTube enemy army gain some traction there. But uh, in other news, Connor Bedard is back at practice in a non-contact jersey. He's expected to return to the lineup sometime next week. I think it is worth noting for those who like to dabble in the uh, FanDuel or DraftKings world. He is still minus 190 to win the Calder, which I think is a pretty outrageous odd considering he hasn't played in what a month um i think it is also worth noting second behind him is brock faber of the minnesota wild at plus 370 who many are saying should be the front runner and then luke hughes uh in third at plus 700 yeah i like the faber pick a lot i mean 370 is great value right now especially considering i think you know with um fantilli carlson and bedard all being hurt you would think it's got to go to someone who finishes the season and Faber's had to put so much on his shoulders with that depleted mini blue line. Yeah. He's got four goals and 29 assists and is a plus five in 52 games so far. Uh, I picked him up off the waiver wire in fantasy early on. I didn't really know much about him, did some research, decided to snag him and man, he has been unbelievable for my squad. So I definitely think Faber should be getting some votes. I think he will get some votes. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was unreal with the Gophers last year. I mean, when we were watching him in the Frozen Four, I, I know all of us were saying this kid will be an absolute stud in the NHL at some point. And uh, this is just your reminder that this weekend is the NHL Stadium Series. Uh, we will tell you because the NHL will not. I have not seen one advertisement for this on anywhere. ESPN, TNT, NHL Network. I don't see anything. As I was reading through these notes this morning to like make sure I was ready for the episode, it was like the first I had heard of it. I was like, oh, okay. But thanks for the thanks for the reminder because I did not know. You could have told me it was in April. I would have been like, yeah, sure. That sounds right. Yeah, stay hot, NHL. The Devils take on the Flyers at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, and then the Rangers take on the Islanders at 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Our good friend of the program, Mark Cotteraro, might be going live on our Instagram for that one. He will be in attendance at the game. Uh, I would say cheering on the Rangers, but probably more so just frantically booing the Islanders in typical New York fashion. So Just a combination of incoherent yelling and hand gestures. Yes. And then I saw this on Twitter. I didn't believe it was real. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's the Fanatics Sucks page. So I'm just going to say it. it's real because that guy's hilarious. Um, the NHL and Fanatics are not guaranteeing delivery of Stadium Series jerseys prior to the game, even if you ordered by the deadline that they specified. They issued a statement and apologized. They're also not <laughs> guaranteeing that the player's name you ordered will be spelled correctly. Uh, or will be right side up, right? Any of the above. Uh, that's hilarious that they simply <laughs> issued a statement and apologized. Our <laughs> <laughs> bad. Uh, we're sorry, but yeah. we won't. Yeah. We're not going to fix it though. <laughs> we apologize for any inconvenience that you spent for these three hundred dollar jerseys. By the way, did you? I don't, did you guys see this? Because I retweeted today from the account. The Flyers are selling a coach's edition jacket like the old school leather jacket for eight hundred and fifty dollars that's actually believe it or not that's actually um pretty customary for like winter classics and outdoor games almost almost every team maybe not almost every but i know the caps have done it and a lot of other teams have sold those giant bomber jackets that yeah the coaches they're wear, sick and right. they're like somewhere every time they're somewhere between like five and eight hundred bucks they're like the like don't get me, don't get me wrong, it looks unreal, but eight hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. It's, it's because they probably a are not going to make that many of them, and b they're never going to sell them again after the. Uh, I get it. Know, I, it. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that you know it's worth more than the fucking it's like ticket. It, it, it's basically like selling a like collector's item or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's something that. Philadelphia businesses like executives will get each other as like a bonus gift or someone yeah. will get it for like their husband is like a early Christmas or birthday present. And it's going to get hung on the wall or stuck in the back of the closet worn yep. twice. And that's it. Yep, exactly. And then passed on to the grandkid. This there was your you grandfather. There you yep. go. That's what you're paying eight fifty four. And folks. then the grandkid just wears it to like Darty's in college or something. <laughs> And then accidentally like leaves it on like a chair. Yeah, like, right. Some, Let, some girl ends up. Let's with a it. girl take it home. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. No. The cycle of life right there in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> all righty. Well, uh, we're moving on to the St. Louis Blues. In case you didn't know, they are seven and three in their last ten games. They've leaped into fourth place in the Central Division, and they now hold on to that second wild card spot in the West. They leap uh, the Predators, Flames. Kraken and wild all for that wild card race. 
and they are tied in points with the LA Kings. Fun fact. Uh, offensively, they've struggled most of the season as they're averaging under three goals for per game. But in their last uh, five games, they have scored 18 goals. Not too shabby for them. We all know the big guns, Buchnevich, Saad, Shen, Kairou, all those guys, Thomas. But I want to give a shout-out to Jake Neighbors. He's got goals in three of his last six games, 18 on the year. He's been really good for the Blues this season. Best fantasy pickup I have made all season. Him and Shen together are both unreal for me lately. You're going to get in the playoffs with them, though. Trying. Going to need some help from both of you. So, you know, <laughs> your your division is all clean and tidy. Mine is an absolute clusterfuck of who's trying to scramble for this last playoff spot between three boys. So it's going to get rough. going to give a – oh, sorry, Mac. No, oh, I was just going to say that uh, Jake Neighborino is Ned Flanders' favorite <laughs> NHL player. Fun fact. I want to give a, a shout-out to uh, Tori Krug. Had a five-assist game on Sunday night against Montreal. And also Jordan Bennington, don't look now, but he's won four of his last five starts, and he's only allowed eight goals in that span. So Blues are heating up. Uh, they're taking on Toronto tonight as plus-180 underdogs. I know a lot of people were hopping on that. Uh, I think if the Blues are at plus money right now, it's it's a smart move to ride them. Shout out Tory Krug, go Green. That Sparty's had an unreal last couple of games. For sure. Uh, fly through some injuries and suspensions, and then we'll move on to discussion. Uh, Thomas Hurdle is out several weeks after undergoing uh, a surgical procedure to remove loose cartilage from his left knee, and then tough injury for Mikhail Sergachev. I'm sure most of you listening saw this. It, Kind of went viral. Um, he's out for the season due to a fractured tibia and fibula, which is just brutal to say out loud. Uh, he has two goals on the season, 19 points through 34 games with Tampa. He's been battling some real injury problems here recently. Uh, feel bad for him. Instagram post that you could tell he poured his heart into. So uh, definitely prayers up for Sergachev and a speedy recovery. I've always liked this guy since he came into the league, watched him a bit in Windsor, um, won a Memorial Cup with Jeremy Bracco and juniors. And I mean, just I feel so bad for this guy. I know it's the bolts and none of us really like the bolts. But I mean, this guy has had so many injury problems in like the last two calendar years. And it was gruesome to watch. I mean, it was like kind of like a not really contact. He fell on it the wrong way. Skate gets caught under the body. And then there's just nothing you can do at that point. And I, I winced like five or six times watching that. So best wishes to him. And hopefully he gets back as soon as he can. For sure. Yeah. The worst part is just like the, like the, the why me part of it, you know, like you just feel for the, for all any athlete, really, it's just the most frustrating thing to like, know in the moment you're like, holy shit, my season just ended. Like you've like, you know, it in that moment, for sure. I've been there. We all been there and there's just no worse feeling than just like, yep, I'm fucked. Like here goes, here goes the worst eight months of recovery ever. Yes. Can't wait. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. I feel for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have confidence he'll be back strong in in maybe next season or He's halfway through next season. Young too, twenty five. Yeah. I I thought yeah. he was like twenty six or twenty eight. Um, I know. It feels like he's been playing forever. Yeah, I know he broke in super young. So hopefully that's already got two cups. So right. <laughs> yeah, not too shabby. Hopefully that helps with the recovery process. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, suspensions. We've got three to fly through. Um, I'm going to read all three, and then I want to ask you which one you think was the worst. Uh, we have oh, we have Brendan Dillon, 
who has been suspended three games for his hit to the head on Nola Chari. Achari is now on IR. I think that's worth noting. Uh, Nikita Zadorov has been suspended two games for his hit to the head on Detroit's Lucas Raymond. And then Matt Grizzlick was given a five-minute major in game misconduct for spearing Max Pacioretty, what looked like, based on the video, in the face or neck. Or no, am I wrong? Balls. In Not the balls. Like, balls, sorry. Yeah. I just I thought I, I just watched it and I was having trouble seeing. I was like, where did he – I saw that he speared him. But anyways – um, which of the three did you guys think was the worst? Or are these all justified? What do you think? I have a lot actually to say about this. So the it's tricky. The the Dylan and the Zadorov ones are both kind of similar. They're both like hits to the head. One gets three games, one gets two games. I've I've seen comments on both of them saying like oh, like tr- kind of trying to blame the the victim being like, oh, keep your head up, or like something along those lines or whatever. I think regardless of like any, like keep your head up thing or like, yeah, can't watch your pass to me. The Raymond one is a a big case of he's watching his pass after he passes it. And he's not looking at the guy he's about to get hit or who's about to hit him. Regardless of all that, the NHL is clearly just, they're clearly trying to remove this hit from the game by saying we don't really care if it's if it's on the player or whatever like they're making it be on the player who's making the hit if that makes sense like i think a good analogy for this would be the roughing the passer thing in the nfl where you know the defensive lineman is running at the quarterback as fast as that 300 pound man can physically move yep and all of a sudden the quarterback throws the ball and now this man has to put the brakes on yeah it's similar. It, That's and a great it, analogy. it really just comes down to like, like in the Brendan Dillon one, yes, like Nola Chari, you could make the argument that Achari, like he's, you know, he's smaller, his head's going to be lined up with his shoulder or whatever. I think the NHL is basically just trying to come out and say, it doesn't matter. If you're Brendan Dillon, you have to find a way to either not hit his head or don't make the hit. Like it just, yeah. we don't care if it's your fault or not. It's just, that's essentially to me, if you look at all the suspensions they've dealt out this year, and especially these two, that's what that's kind of the statement that I think DOPS is trying to make. I think that was well worded. And as a Pens fan, I can even tell you, I mean, when I watched the Achari hit, I did not watch it live, but I've seen the replays a thousand times. Where is he skating to? <laughs> like, he got yeah. He kind of ran like into the wall. And at that point, when Dylan like lines him up, he's against the wall. I'm like, well, you're going to get your bell rung. Like one of one things is going to happen right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get it. And it's Brendan Dylan. Like, right. And it's Brendan Dylan. So, (laughs) no, Mac, I echo everything you said. I also just watched the replay of the Grizzly thing. I was blind, I guess, earlier. That's. Brutal. Like so in, important so context for the Grizzly one because there's so many people in the comments of that one. And I promise I'm not just being a homer here. Like, I'll hear me out. There's so many people in the comments of that one saying, like, oh, it was unintentional, but it's still spearing. So you got to give him a game or whatever. It was most certainly intentional because if you look at like about 15 seconds before it happens, Pacioretty has kind of a questionable hit on Grizzly. You might call it a board. It was, he didn't really hit the boards. It was near the boards. It was kind of an awkward push from behind kind of hit. I thought it was fine personally. 
Maybe maybe you can call me a homer for that part of my rant here. Uh, but regardless, it's also Grizzly, Max Pacioretty. It's not Brendan Dillon. Yeah, and Grizzly pops right back up. He's fine, but I guess he just didn't like the hit. But as soon he literally gets up from the hit, comes right around the net and just and spears him. So like, how are you gonna tell me that's not intentional? It happened 15 seconds later after that guy hits you and you didn't like it. It's like, yeah, to me, I think probably should get like a game. I thought the refs did a great job tossing him and giving him five. It's the right that. call. Right call, definitely. And I think you make a great point about skating around the net, going right up to patches, and just trying to lift the guy up by the taint, basically, with his hockey yep. stick. Literally. Also, I just watched the Achari replay again. So he's, I'm watching it as I say this. He skates into the wall, and then when they put it in slow-mo, he sees the hit coming, and he leans forward, which brings his head down. He's trying to like truck him and he just gets fucking his ripped. head. It, it's yeah. It's graphic. His head like spins around. Almost. It was yeah. bad. It's like I yeah, saw it, that one um, like five it, minutes after it happened because someone tweeted it. I was like, oh, that might be a lot. It's really bad. Also, I will say with the Zadorov Raymond one, and then we can move on from this. But with that one, yes, Raymond is absolutely watching his past, like I said before, but holy chicken wing like zadora yeah, of, yeah. oh my god holy crap a little bingo the elbow is sure. literally like chicken danced out it's crazy the, it's ironic that that one got two games and dylan got three because if and i'm saying this as a penguins fan i yeah i think the zadora one is worse for sure yeah, that has to be a, a history also thing, like right for Dilly. yeah it could be could be could be I, I, to be honest i don't know but um, we're not done with the suspension talk yet, folks, because we are moving on to the discussion portion of the episode that took over the internet, and I can't wait to hear some of these. I had non-hockey. Answers. You know it's bad when non-hockey fans are asking, what the hell's going on with this guy, and he took a slap shot into an open net, or what? What? Yeah, so we have the uh, Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg situation. Uh, Riley cross-checking the face of Gregg, wound up and took a slap shot at the empty net as the game was winding down. Sheldon Keefe called Riley's reaction appropriate. Uh, similar situation actually happened back in 2015 with Ryan Kessler. I know Missing Curfew tweeted that out. Go check out their Twitter if you haven't yet. And it comes out that Riley has been given a five-game suspension. Before we start, the quote of the week, and I sent this to you guys, from Ryan Reeves is, make hockey violent again, I'll get that tattooed on me. I thought that I was great. He was also quoted as saying that had this incident happened when he first came into the league, that Greg would still be on the ice right now. Yep. And by the way, I, I saw such a good tweet. I can't remember who tweeted it. So sorry, but uh, it was something like Ryan Reeves is like 82 and O in hypothetical scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so true. He always wants to be like, I'm just saying Next it's, time I see that guy. Yeah. Mm, it's also go. like the most like fifth year senior thing to do. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, like back okay, in my, when I was a freshman, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I got to ask you guys, what, what's Nick, you started off. What's your overall opinion on this? So I think we can all agree. There's, there's a code in hockey, right? We have, we've talked about this with fighting. We have fighting in the game to police the things that don't get called. This game moves at 300 miles an hour. You know, it's a two pound rubber disc. It's guys flying around at 20 miles an hour with knives on their feet. Shit's going to happen. Guys are going to get hit. People are going to get hurt, whatever. First of all, what an explanation about the game of hockey. Thank you. Thank <laughs> that you. That was awesome. 
also hockey players in general, there's a little bit of, you know, rooster mentality going on with some hockey players in general, you know, you've got to be confident to do this at a high level. You've got to be confident to do this at the NHL level. I personally would not have wound up and taken a slap shot on an empty cage. I think would have been way more better is literally walked it into the cage and stared down the bench on a flyby on the way back. My, my reaction to Riley is I I don't think cross checking the guy in the face was the right move. If you're that pissed about it, shed him and go. If he yeah, wants to answer the bell, he can answer yep. the bell. If I he wants to turtle, agree. he can turtle and deal with that. Completely but it's like, if, agree. if you like, don't get me wrong. If I was on the Leafs, that would have pissed me off. Drop him and go. Yep. I love that. Drop the gloves. Just start, start fighting him. And like, just grab said, him. Yeah. Yeah. But I, to me, and I, let me know if you guys disagree. I don't even think Riley meant to cross check him in the face. I think he was so fucking pissed and knew that he was the closest guy to him and was like, holy shit, I got I'm, I'm not letting him do that. And he just kind of like goes over there and like just kind of reaches for him and like, yes, unfortunately gets him right in the fucking like teeth with, with the stick. So yeah, you can't do that. And you got to know where your stick's at and all that. But to me, it seemed like a total like spur of the moment, just like, Oh shit. Like I'm going to reach for this guy. And then he's like, Oh fuck. I literally just like, Hit him right in the head. <laughs> like, and Morgan Riley's not a dirty player. I think no, this could that's have, the other thing. Where this I'm could like, have been like a games. Yeah, that's a lot. It's definitely. I mean, you talked about the NHL wanting to remove these, you know, yeah, these big blow up so. hits. It's exactly what this is, and they've been talking about taking out the cross check into the face for so also, long there's now. Been, there's literally been like two or three other cross check to the face adjacent suspensions this year and i think they've all been like five so yeah. they're literally trying to like the perron one i'm pretty sure this. right yes if i'm not mistaken the david perron one was five i thought there was like one other Six. thing that was Six, maybe, sorry. yeah i thought mm. there was one other that was maybe not like a direct cross check the face but somehow involved stick and face i don't know whatever it's funny to me how people get so upset about this online because the way that I kind of look at it is like everything sort of worked the way it should have, if that makes sense. Like, okay, you want to make a statement, right? You ice the game, you take a slap shot. Okay, I, I get it. You want to make a statement, take the slap shot. Then Riley gets pissed off, rightfully so, right? Guy takes an absolute clapper at 73 miles an hour, two feet from the net. And there's the unwritten rule, like you said. Okay, he goes up and did he mean to cross check him in the face? He was coming in kind of hot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and the guy was still moving. So, if anything, maybe he meant to like punch him in the face, but yeah, yeah, he kind of got him with the stick more than the hand. I I don't really know. Regardless, he he makes him pay the piper. Okay, I get it. And then he goes down. Everybody comes in and causes a ruckus, and it goes viral online. Okay, I get it. And then he gets suspended. And gets held accountable for what he did, yeah, that everybody right. understands why he did it. Yeah. And everybody's making this huge. I'm like, it worked exactly as it's supposed to. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Guy got cocky, guy got beat up, guy who did beat up got suspended. That's like, why yeah. is this <laughs> the best part though? Uh, did you guys watch like 
on the broadcast, like to the very, very end, there's two guys who are buddies in the crowd. One's wearing a Leafs jersey, one's wearing I a Sens jersey. And the guy in the Leafs jersey turns to his friend is like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. And like, he like pushes him. He's like, yeah. what the fuck? Dude? I, was yeah, like, like, I was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Like he literally, the, the look on his face is as if like his buddy is yes. Ridley. He's like, you just did that. Like that's yeah. you out there. And that's what, like, and I know we want to take, like, baby. yes, I know we want to take like hits to the face and cross checks to the face out of the game, but put us on the ice and we're all going to be 13 years old again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I, that he should have cross checked in the face. No, all I was saying I was, I agree. it's interesting that everyone gets really pissed off and it went pretty much exactly as you thought it would have gone. Like there were, like when you watch that real time, that's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he, he fucking rocked him i don't know um got hockey in the uh, media though so that's always a fun it's kind of cool i mean we went back to the 90s early 2000s for a little bit so but also, yeah man moral of the story if you're fucking ridley greg and you're essentially a youngster kind of a nobody in the league right now can't be doing that can't even be doing that if you are somebody in the league yeah yeah. I also love now like all the other like egregiously disrespectful empty net <laughs> goals are being like circulated online again and shout out um longtime Washington Capitol Callie Johansson. I don't know if you guys have seen his, but there's one at the MCI Center where he literally skates the puck to the like the red line in the empty net and waits for like 10 seconds to put it into the net until people catch up with him. Yeah, I know that one. That one's also <laughs> that's Did that start egregious. a fight? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. see, that's what in the Kessler one in 2015, he did it against the Flames. Um, it started a ruckus because he took like a not a full winder, but he kind of did the one foot, like kind of leaned into it and people went nuts. So it's just one of those things. I don't know. But my dad made a great point. He was like, I would kind of be pissed if I was his coach because just put the puck in the empty net. You're winding up to take a clapper. Your odds of missing that thing or your stick exploding just went up a lot. So, yeah, like I was thinking that I was like, you got some balls to not have your stick explode. Like, because you don't know with the sticks nowadays. That would have been right. But, anyways, we'll uh, we'll move on from that. But that was a fun little internet segment that I I thought I got a kick out of he watching should, everybody. Um, he should talk to Patrick O'Sullivan. Maybe he can explain why you I don't want to do that. In the in the immediate aftermath of that happening, like I think I just sent we I'm pretty sure we all sent each other the clip like simultaneously. <laughs> and I literally said I was like, everything about this is hilarious. Like, <laughs> every single element of this is so funny. It's everything, funny. especially the fact that these two players have four first names. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Holy and the shit. And the, have you ever noticed? I just noticed this as I'm looking at his name. Why does Morgan Riley spelled R E I instead that is, of R I? That has always bothered me. Yeah, that's weird. Because like I, whenever we have notes about him, and here's big OCD coming in, the like spell check thing is yeah. always under it. Yeah, and I hate that. I yeah. don't. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Don't I know show what me I the said. squiggly red line. I meant what I said. Morgan Riley Ridley Greg. <laughs> Where's the other two guys? Speaking of things that you don't want to see, I think I know an opinion coming up on uh, our next discussion point. We'll make this one a little quicker. Carolina Hurricanes wearing Harford Whaler uniforms and Cooperalls and whatever they're called for warmups. What are your – no, they warmed – did they wear them during the game? I didn't watch, to be honest. I don't know if they just do them for warmups or they do them for the game. 
I don't think they do the the Cooper alls in the game. I don't yeah, think okay, you could do I that. Um, yeah. I don't know if they did the Whalers jerseys for the full game. I know they've done that in the past. but Yeah, I, to be honest, I didn't watch it. But I saw the warm-up uh, pictures and such. What are your guys' thoughts on this? like we've we've maybe had a similar discussion on the show before but i i'm of the of the belief that it is very weird and uh i mean you wouldn't see the winnipeg jets rocking like atlanta thrasher throwbacks or something like it just it's almost like a like haha fuck you remember when you had a hockey team well right you don't and now we do but cool jerseys thanks it's like, also like, it's just stupid that it's carolina they have literally nothing to do yeah. with the hartford whalers or right. that franchise or that city and you know people are like well who who should get to wear it then and it's like you can't have the bruins wear it because they played no. against each other for however Nobody many years should get to wear it they just don't yeah but you make a great jersey point. i get it but like it's not like you exist. see the, the jets doing you know a Thrasher's throwback or the Yotes doing an original yeah. Jets throwback or the Calgary right. Flames doing an Atlanta Flames throwback. So my right. idea, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this, is why not make the defunct jerseys the all-star jerseys? Oh, Wait, what do you mean by that? So like, you know how we had the red, white, blue, yellow ones this year? Yep. One year, one team's the Hartford Whalers, one's the oh. Quebec Nordiques, one's the Atlanta Thrashers, one's the, I don't know, California Golden Seals. That's or, okay. just, or just Golden Seals, you know, just take the region yeah. out of it. But yeah. still a great way to sell those uniforms. I mean, I know that would be like... And celebrate like some of the history. And, stuff. and I know people would get mad about certain yeah. players from certain yes, teams having to wear sure. a jersey that's not directly affiliated with them or a rival city or yeah. some shit they like would, that. But they if, would never do it, but I yeah. do kind of fuck with the idea. Like if we're just going to do this continued like draft, for lack of a better word, it, to me that makes more sense than trying to figure out fun team names or colors or by division or something. They yeah. did wear them, by the way. They don't wear the Cooperalls in the game, but right. they wear the actual white Whalers jersey, which looks incredible, might I add. Yeah, um, very nice. And it's one, it's one of the best looks ever in sports. Well, and I don't blame them because their normal jerseys suck so bad. Like, <laughs> fuck, can we look good for once or what? I just yeah, I I don't understand it. Like, I get maybe like, oh, we're we're honoring our expansion history, but like you're the Carolina Hurricanes. Like yeah. the only reason you it. have a team is because Hartford doesn't <laughs> couldn't. Yeah. Because they, <laughs> they couldn't keep up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, people always get really upset. I understand on that one. Why? But um, just an interesting thing. The Cooper all look, it looks it's cool rough. When, it looks cooler when the flyers do it. I think the flyers are the one team. Yeah. Cause they used to wear it as their full one. Like with seven. the black ones. Yeah. Yep. The green ones. Yeah. I think yeah. it works. Not ideal. More more with it. But um, all right, Nick, I know you had a, a little listener question poll. We'll do this. We'll do gambling real quick. And then uh, I know you got bean pot and trivia and we're out of here. Correct. So shout out to you guys. You guys are the reason why we've made it to 200 episodes. We wanted to answer some of your questions. We had a bunch of you OGs who've been around since the beginning send these in. So just six quick ones here. Boys, what is the hardest part about doing this podcast in your mind? Matching schedules. That's a good one. <laughs> and time zones. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say especially like when it gets around like the holidays and stuff. Just, yeah, and like balancing everybody's like life too. Like, I mean, 
you guys get one episode a week, but what that looks like for us is like two, sometimes three different weeknights out of our week, like where we're putting in work, doing shit here. So it, yeah, it's a lot of work. That's the hardest part. To put it into perspective for people that don't know, the quietest our group chat between the three of us is, is right now. <laughs> Outside of that, it is going off every 30 seconds about something. Yep, yeah, that's pretty true. So yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you, Harry. I think coordination and scheduling and then the always the lovely, the unforeseen technical issue is just. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Also worth noting, we do not like make any real income on this. So, you know, this is for the, <laughs> no, it's yeah. not like we're like, oh, we're going to make some money on this one. Like, no, right. it's for unless, the fans, no unless you guys want to go buy like 300 shoot the puck shirts or something, which I <laughs> which mean, would be you probably need more than one now that we're thinking about it. But right. Yeah. Uh, what like response or questions you get the most when you tell people about doing the show? I feel like a lot of the like random people that I'm like, like it comes out that I have a podcast somehow and they're like, oh, what's your podcast about? And then I have to be like, oh, it's like a hockey gambling podcast. And they always are just like, they act like, they act like I just said I have like a, like um an underwater horseshoes podcast or something <laughs> like that. You know, like they're like, wow, that's, well, that's your so other one random and like niche or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, that's it is because we're the only ones who do it, but also it's not that like there's a ton of people that like, like it and yeah. are interested in both those things. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good one for people who don't know hockey for people who do know hockey. Like someone says, Oh, this is my buddy Harrison. Like, he runs a hockey podcast. You're talking to a hockey guy. They go, why is it named that? I'm like, that's a good one. I get that a lot. Yeah. Why, how'd you get the name? Which is one I always like answering. I think the one that sticks out to me, the name one is good. I'll, I'll go a different direction here is a lot. <laughs> and this tends to happen like at bars. If I'm meeting people and they ask about it, their first response is you should have me on the show. And I'm like, Oh, like, did you like play hockey? Or are you a <laughs> hockey fan? Nine times out of 10. They're like, no, but I'm really, really funny. Yeah. I love like, that. That's fantastic. There's a lot of people we could have had on that are really, really funny, but right. You know, it just doesn't really fit the, fit the bill. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on. What is your favorite part about doing this show? Honestly, my, my favorite part is that it literally keeps me so in the know on hockey. Like it keeps me that and it gives me a place to like vent. Honestly, it's like a free. We talk about the free therapy sessions <laughs> yep. all the time for like cap shit and like, but I don't know. Seriously, like I follow hockey closely and I probably still would anyway. But like knowing that I have to like do the pod, I'll just watch random like game recaps of like hockey games throughout the week specifically so i can like talk about a random thing that happened on the show like the uh the stories that you hear it's always a fun one whether it's interview guests or honestly my favorites are weekend recaps that get a little weird with uh with these guys so um it kind of keeps you with it with that locker room feel which is something yes. that i personally miss a lot and this is the closest thing i get to that so to you too i appreciate it yeah, absolutely. I echo everything Harry just said. The the locker room being around the boys thing for sure. And I think just the people that we've gotten to, you know, meet and interact with over the course of 200 episodes have been really, really cool. I'm excited for this next one. Funniest moment on the show. 
There's a lot in or in my opinion, there's a lot to pick from listeners might not think so, but I had to think about this one for a while, but I, yeah. I seriously think for me personally, it is the, the, the Chimbus Schlampo torn meniscus because I, it was not premeditated <laughs> at all. Harry was just reading through a list of like injuries and I, I just saw an opportunity and somehow <laughs> snuck it in there without him seeing me add it. But I think Nick did see that I added it. And I like, saw it like two minutes before we were to the point when it was yes, going to be read. Yes. So now I have to control myself for two minutes. Yeah. Which... No, and that was the funniest part for me because you and I are making eyes at each other across the fucking screen and Harry's just going through the episode like normal and we're just so ready for the big payoff. And it was every bit as funny as I could have so, so in case you're not catching on, it was probably 10 or 20-ish episodes ago. It could be there 40. There was a I don't list, know. Of, list of injuries. Idea. And Mac put in a name that is not a real hockey player named Jimbo Schlempo. Jimbis. Jimbis. Jimbis Schlempo. And I read it off like it was nothing. And then it I was see them the, start um, cracking up. It was the episode it immediately was, uh, following yes. the Stanley Cup. Yep. So because we're talking the about big like big list of all the injuries that people were playing with. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. It was literally like a grocery list of like yeah. like ten or twelve, maybe more than that. Guys, like this guy had a a, a sprained ankle. This guy, you know, he had a broken elbow, whatever. And then just uh, Ch- Chimbus Schlampo Tormanescus. <laughs> So good, so good. Harry, what about you? Funniest moment? Uh, one that stands out to me, I know someone's going to say the one answer that's obvious, but I, I think the one for me that stands out is uh, the depression day that we did in 2022. It was the day after the Pens lost game seven to the Rangers in overtime and the Caps blew it to the Panthers. And I was at the beach and we were all like legitimately like depressed. Right after your vacation got ruined? Yes. Yeah, and... I think we all had like hoodies up, sunglasses on. That was a it was uh it might have been like a six thirty in the morning recording if I we were still doing those. It might have been. It was bad. That one was great. Bad. I've got two. Um, all right. <laughs> number one is tequila bat smash for me. Knew that was coming. That Knew was, that was so coming. Go this... watch, just, just go watch the YouTube video if you don't know what he's talking about. To this day, maybe the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. There's like <laughs> one or two things from like my fraternity pledging days that might supersede it, but it is actually like I think the funniest story I've ever heard. <laughs> um, the second one is the hamburger incident. Uh, <laughs> um, and for those who don't know what that is it was after the three of us and jed and stephen baker uh got to see the oilers absolutely wax the caps five nothing so we went out and drowned it a little bit afterwards and the three of us are back at my house in the basement inhaling taco bell and attempting to record a live pod for you guys because you know it was like one out of two times we were going to be together <laughs> uh, that calendar year and we're talking about like recapping the night and recapping like what we ate at the taffer's restaurant and mac just starts like looking at the camera going i had a hamburger car and i i lost it like completely like grabbing my stomach tears coming out of my face lost it and Hamburger. So we ne- we never posted that because it's borderline unpostable. But I would love <laughs> if we could just find that clip 
and posted somehow just him saying hamburger. I definitely need to see that again. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Whenever I've had a rough day, I watch one of those two videos. Yeah, send me that after this episode. I gotta, I gotta see that again. For sure. Uh, moving on, who has been your favorite guest on the show? Boys, I have a feeling this one's going to be pretty tough. It's very tough. I thought about this earlier and I, I, for more reasons than one, I actually have to say Oli Kolzig because that was just such a like special episode for me. Like that is the first Caps jersey I ever had. Oli Kolzig jersey. I have pictures of me and my little sister. Or, sorry, me and my sister when we were little. Um, like with him and his goalie mask, the Godzilla mask. Like just, just so many childhood memories associated with Oli the goalie. I was super nervous for that one too. Like if you go back and listen, you can, you can tell I've got my stomach in my mouth the whole time, but it was a real special episode for me. I totally agree. That for me was the most surreal moment about doing this show where like multiple times during the interview, I kind of had to like pinch myself and be like, wait, wait, he's talking to me. He's not on TV. And the coolest part about that too was how it came together. For those of you who don't know, most of our like guests come together because we reach out to them and we get lucky that they, you know, read our message and respond, say yes. Oli just kind of like happened to hear about our episode and was like chatting with my dad and like just outwardly offered to like come on, which was so cool. So. Which I don't think we've ever said yes to something as fast as we've said yes to that. I think, you know, Oli is great. Another one that we did a while ago, but always sticks with me is two-time Stanley Cup champion, Chris Versteeg. Yeah, that, that, that's that got to be like our objectively like our biggest guest. I mean, like, and he was so cool. That was an early morning. I think it was a weekend interview too. And we had gone back and forth mm-hmm. with like his assistant or whoever was coordinating yeah. his schedule. And she was amazing. She was so yes. great about giving us the time of day, which you know, hey, we're not the, you know, we're not Barstool. We're not the biggest thing out there. So obviously we appreciate that. And he stayed on with us for like an hour and a half, probably yeah, he was 50 super, minutes of recording and then another 40 be, of just chat. He seemed to be having a really good time. That was cool. Cause it, it like, unlike the, the Oli interview, I, I didn't feel nervous at all. For no. whatever. I was just like, oh, this guy's just one of us. Like he's just a cool guy. He was good. I think, I think mine, um, one that always stands out that I think it's just because of the amount of history and like the amount of like YouTube clips this guy has. You can ask him all the time. Rob Ray was a cool one. That was unreal. Yeah, that was a really cool one. Rob Ray was a cool one. And fun fact, I was definitely ill with coronavirus at the peak of the like pandemic during that when we did that. And I was like, boys, I don't know if I can fucking go. Yeah. Um, but I made the effort and I'm glad I did because that was a that was a fun ass interview. I enjoyed that one. By the way, if you're, you know, maybe under the age of like 18 and you are listening to this and you don't know who Rob Ray is, just type Rob Ray into YouTube and have yourself a day because there's like 30,000 videos of him just decapitating people. I'm going to throw R.A. in there, too. That was actually pretty True. cool. R.A. So, was yeah. fun. And another one that I always just had like a hilarious great time with because he was such an energetic and fun guy was Pete Weber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was really awesome. That was another okay. kind of like interesting way that we got like we have like a i have like a friend of a friend who kind of knows him or whatever and that was a an interesting way that we acquired that that interview as well but for sure super awesome uh last one for you boys here what has been the coolest moment while doing the show 
So maybe it was that interview guest that you got to talk to. Maybe it was, I don't know, going to a game together. So far, in your opinion, what's been the coolest thing? Um, I I think I'm going to think of one that you guys aren't thinking of. But once you hear me say it, you'll be like, oh, wait, that was pretty cool. Do you remember when we broke the news to Zach Jones that the Rangers, yeah. did they fire or hire LaViolette? I can't remember which one. They fired Gallant and hired LaViolette, right? No, they hired no, Gallant. They hired, oh, hired Gallant. Gallant. Okay. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember who their coach was before that. This was a while ago, but we were like, yeah. oh, yeah. Uh, Quinn, right? Quinn. Actually, yes. yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Mine, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this was this is a little bit of a, a weirder one. Um, help me out here. Was it was it the Salvo the first time we had him on that like basically kind of announced his retirement like on the show? Second like, time. Yeah. And and so the reason I'm gonna spin this into something really cool is because we were still kind of relatively new to it especially me because I, I hadn't been on as long as you guys have been doing this and you know we were trying to hone our like interviewing skills it's it's a it's a work in progress sometimes talking to some especially some of these minor leaguers everybody's different and I just remember like you know we're trying to kind of pry at his hockey career and he clearly like didn't really want to like get into it that much and then he kind of like just said like yeah to be honest, I've been like thinking about hanging them up and like moving on to something else or whatever. And like, I could kind of like sense this moment where we all kind of like panicked, like, holy shit, like, well, now what the hell do we ask this guy? Right. And the rest of that interview was so awesome. I don't know what happened, but something overtook the three of us. And we just like, we're like, you know what? That's fine, man. Let's, you know, let's talk it out. And, and what else do you want to do with your life? And like, what it like, we just and it ended up being a really awesome interview, and we're still great, great buddies with the Salvo now. And yeah. he's been on several times after that now too. And yeah, I just I think of that as like a a key moment for us and kind of like breaking through and like just learning how to like pivot in an interview, which is really important. Yeah, there's definitely no script when you're you know 35 minutes in an, like into an interview and something like what Mac just said happens. So. Um, yeah, that's a great point. And obviously, Dan has been a, a fantastic friend to us throughout this process and someone that we're still very, very close with. So um, huge shout out to him. I think for me, the one that always is going to stand out to me and, you know, yes, it's because it's Capitals related. So it's a little bit sentimental for me is watching Zach Fucali's first NHL game after he had been on the show twice and he pitches a shutout. I don't, I've never been that invested yeah, that was so cool. in that a was regular cool. season caps, red wings away hockey game. I don't think I sat down the entire third period. At one point I was like, I'm watching in my bedroom. Cause you know, that game started at eight. So it's on a little bit later and I'm three inches from my, you know, 55 inch TV, like squeezing my hands as tight as possible. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, you know, this guy might get that a shutout cool. in his first NHL game in the last 10 minutes just felt like an hour. That was cool. And for those who don't know, he was our first, I'll use the word big guest. Pro guest. We had, yeah. we had, we had only interviewed, you know, local guys and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are honestly some of the best ones that we've done. Um, but he was the first one where it was like a professional athlete coming on. And I just remember, I'll add this to the, to the coolest moments. We were shitting ourselves. So nervous. Literally. We, we like, were like, oh, we're that's like, why oh I still God. lived in LA. I remember yep. being in my tiny ass bedroom and we we're yeah. all like, we all logged on like an hour beforehand just to be like, <laughs> yeah. okay, all right. So like when he gets on, like nobody, everybody be cool. Like just, yeah. And then people on Twitter knew us as the like Fucali guy podcast. Like, Oh, they yeah. got Zach. So when he yeah. shut it out, we had people tweeting. It was cool. Yeah. yeah that was, was awesome. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, and Harry and I had gone to watch his preseason game and, you know, all the success, you know, just watching him have. And, you know, I remember him coming on the show. And one of the things he said when he came on the show the first time was, I still haven't played an NHL game in the regular season. And then guy goes out, pitches a shutout and had it not been for the dumbest own goals of all time, would still have the longest active shutout streak. So, yeah, yeah, that pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, those were the listener questions. We appreciate you all for submitting those. Uh, nice to kind of reflect back sometimes and not always talk current news. Uh, a little bit of gambling action, which is presented by Prop Tracker. You guys already know the deal. It's your one-stop shop for all the props that you need to bet NFL, NBA, NHL, and more. You can get data for receptions, rebounds, shots on goal, anything and anything sports betting related. You can find on Prop Tracker app. You can use the link in our social media bios to get your first month of Prop Tracker app free, which I highly suggest you do. I think on crowded NHL game days, we'll tweet out some stuff from the EB account, some stats, screenshots, explain everything Prop Tracker related. So we appreciate Prop Tracker for sponsoring the gambling segment. That is P R O P T R C K R. There is no letter E. PropTracker.com slash empty betters. Uh, all right, we'll make it quick. Last week on the episode, I gave out a pick in advance, which I always love doing. Don't do it often, but had to do it last time. First uh, game after the coaching change for the LA Kings, they take down the Oilers as home underdogs, four to nothing at plus 100. Hope you cashed it. Set it on the pod. Tweeted it day of from Arizona while I was not in the best mindset, so I was feeling a little frisky there. Um, but happy that the Kings got it. Uh, another team that I've talked about earlier this season, but the trend continues, the Dallas Stars. When they're at home this season, over six and a half. They have hit that 21 out of 26 home games this year. They're home tonight against the Hurricanes. Great over team. Over. Great over team. Second best uh, over six and a half record in the league, only behind the Canucks. If you had prop tracker, you would know that. Uh, I also think it's worth noting that the team total over of three and a half has hit in 17 of their 26 home games. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Dylan Larkin, want to give him a shout out here real quick. Goals in seven of his last 10. Usually find those odds between plus 145 and plus 180, depending on the opponent. He's also got points in nine of his last 10. It's minus 140 to get one tonight against Edmonton. Obviously, Edmonton's a really good team, so you're getting some better value, but you're cooking up some point parlays i think larkin's a guy to put in there and then your guys boy mr alex ovechkin goals in five straight games he's up to 13 on the year is he back never left exactly grab i have the beer grab the beer never left boys like come on what ovi has been unreal this year i know he hasn't been scoring at the rate that everyone thinks he should be because we all want to see the record Have you seen some of the setup plays this man is making? Agree. I've been saying it all year long. Also, it's the record or nothing. He just went to Dubai and rode camels over the All Star break. So some might say he got over the hump. Oh, very nice. Like that one. Um, But yeah, Ovi, anytime goal scorer. Let's see if he can keep it up tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. I don't know what the score is of that right now, but I know you guys are taking them on. I believe it is uh, two to two. Ooh, okay then. Nick, I know you want to talk a little bean pot. Yeah, absolutely. Boys, the freaking bean pot was wicked awesome. Uh 
no, it was an unreal tournament again. BC took the consolation game over Havid for nothing. Um, Northeastern. I don't know what's going on with these guys, but it seems like they catch lightning in a bottle when it comes to this tournament lately. They took down number three BU in overtime. Gunner Wolf Fontaine scoring the winner again like he did last week. Northeastern did not lead once in this game. The shots were insanely lopsided. And Harry, I don't know if you caught this, but prior to the game, former Terrier Mike Sullivan was inducted into the Beanpot Hall of Fame. I did catch that. Congrats to Sully. Uh, God knows what the fuck is happening in Pittsburgh right now. But one thing I do know, Sully is a Boston legend. Glad he got some praise. Love that guy. Penguins suck. The funniest part of that was, so it's a packed TD garden with, you know, all these Boston area hockey fans, you know, BU fans, Northeastern fans, and they're doing a video tribute to Sully. And they talk about him, like, you know, playing for the Terriers, winning the bean pie, you know, going to the NHL. And then uh, they talk about him winning a Stanley cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the whole arena just starts booing. That sounds about right. Yeah. It's like, yep. I was like, yeah, this is why they do it at TD Garden. So uh fantastic. I would love, you know, I know ESPN Plus just siphons through the Nessin coverage. I would love to get Bucci on the call on ESPN Plus, especially for a big college hockey event like that. But uh yeah, that was unreal. So congrats to Northeastern. We saw some pics of them eating the beans out of the pot today. So this did look like some good beans. Let's go ahead and move over to the Big Ten. We had the duel in the D this weekend between your Michigan State Spartans and some other school from Ann Arbor. Uh, does anyone know who won that? Not upside down Wumbo. Exactly. That's right. Michigan State wins the duel in the D for the first time since 2016. The Iron D trophy is headed back to East Lansing. Guys, I'm going to be honest. Big time Homer here. Grew up in a Spartan household. The Michigan State Spartans can absolutely win the national championship. That would be really cool. I'd be they, so here for that. They've got the scoring. They've got some amazing forwards. They've got the, you know, tenured decor. One of their uh, defensemen, Lev Shinov, is going to go in the top three in the NHL draft. And they might have the best goalie in college hockey and Trey Augustine. All it takes is a hot tendy. Yeah, it's true. A hot tendy, and maybe if you could shut down that top line BC has, that would help. But yeah, uh, yeah. this Frozen Four tournament <laughs> is going to be insane. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Go green. Hell yeah. All right, well, let's get into some trivia, and then we'll get you out of here. Just a reminder to support your local dive bar and go have a beer at Elwood's Liquor and Tap, home of the Pizza Luge, located in the heart of downtown Milwaukee on Water Street. 70s-inspired bar has a little something for everybody, from daily happy hour, rotating taps, free birthday perks, and a four-season patio. A good time is always right around the corner at Elwood's with the full NHL package plus TV screens inside and out. Hockey fans can watch any game, anytime. We will see you down at Elwood's. All right, boys. This was a hard one because, A, I didn't know whether to do February 13th, 14th, 15th at this point. I just kind of wanted to see what was on actual Valentine's Day for the fun of it. Uh, and there was actually like probably three that I that I was bouncing around from choosing between. But we're going to we're going to start with this one. I do think there's an off chance that like someone might know this like right off the top of their head. If that's the case, I'll just flip to the other one real quick. But uh, we'll try this. Uh who set a league record for a defenseman 
by scoring a goal in his eighth consecutive game on February 14th, 2009, to lead his team to a 5-1 win at Tampa Bay Lightning. Easy. Who Next. is the greatest offensive defenseman of all time with his <laughs> blue Easton stealth stick, Michael Demetrius Green? All right, very good, very good. All right, we'll move to the other one then. All right. This player set a team record with an assist in his 15th straight game on February 14th, 2001, during a 2-1 to win over the visiting Minnesota Wild. He broke the previous assist record of 14 games held by a now Hall of Famer. You didn't read a team off that he played for, right? It was just that he broke the streak against the Minnesota Wild? Correct. So he uh, he set his team record, team record with an assist in his 15th straight game on February 14th, 2001. Is this team in the Western Conference since they're playing the Wild? Maybe can I, I can assume that? No, they are not. Okay. Who is Ron Francis? Nope. I mean, this is wide open. <laughs> I don't know why my brain is like, Mac just gave us a Caps answer, so this one has to be a Penguins answer. Mm, 2001 Penguins. Is it Yager? <laughs> yeah, it's Yager. It's the Penguins. Who or did he, if, who, or uh, if you're fanatics, Yarg. Yeah. <laughs> who did he break the record of? That one's easy. Has to be Lemieux, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, just real quick, I'll just I won't make you guess this one, but this one's kind of funny and has some some empty betters history to it. This <laughs> is the this is the other one I was gonna do. Mike Knubel set the NHL record for the fastest two goals to start a game by one player on February 14, 2003, in the Bruins six to five win over the Panthers. He scored 10 seconds after the opening draw before giving Boston a two-nothing lead just 27 seconds into the game. That's the one that I like. I fucking read that one time, but it was like the wrong date or something. Oh. And I like, I we, like, we literally had to like cut it from the show because yep. <laughs> we like blew it up in the middle of fucking question. I forgot about that. Yeah, but I it think... was like he was on like the O2 Red Wings or something, and we were so it, confused. It kept, say, it kept saying he was on like the 2013 uh, Bruins or something like that but it was the 2003 Bruins or vice versa or some uh, shit like that and whatever. But yeah, I'm glad you did. That one gave that me a good one chuckle because in terms of scoring two goals, the quickest Mike Knubel was probably the last person I would have guessed yeah. that one. That's actually yeah. a really good trivia question, but I still don't trust this site to like have that one correct. Cause it was fucked up before. So I still <laughs> feel like what I just read might somehow be false. They like fucked up a year or like, <laughs> A number or something. I don't know. Shout out the hockey writers. You guys are awesome, but you need a better editor. Hire me. Anyway. For the record, just going off what Max said, it's probably like a 2% chance that when you hear a podcast that we have any type of edit or cut. This is one take, one go. Yep. That's the show, usually. So I think we've probably removed something in 200 episode that we've done we've probably removed something from an episode five times yeah maybe yeah that maybe. sounds about right yeah and we've only not released one interview 
which was just a, <laughs> which was we would have been canceled very train long train wreck and i it did not go the way we thought it was gonna go yeah, and guy... just to mention that person's audio was also the worst we've ever encountered well, not the worst. The worst we've ever. Encountered. No, not the worst, but <laughs> at least they had a stable internet connection. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, we want to thank everybody once again for all the support. Not only today, you know, just for listening, but over the last five years, two hundred episodes, whatever you want to call it. Um, some people we specifically want to thank, uh, in particular, some former guests, Zach Fucali. We talked about him earlier. First ever professional that we got to interview. So we appreciate that. He's been on the show several times, still a friend of the program. And then Dan DeSalvo and Chris Nell, they've always been there to support us. They've tried helping us get interview guests. They're always down to come on and they are some of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. So we appreciate them. Uh, some Twitter friends. Definitely want to thank Mr. Ice Elio. He's come on the show a bunch and he always gets us a bunch of traction online, whether it's for good or for worse. If you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I uh, want to thank Turk, uh, another friend of the program. Go follow Turk2112. Uh, he's had me on the Icebox before when he was doing that last year. He's been on the show several times. Great he's guy. Gotten, gotten us some very big interview guests behind the scenes, so appreciate him. And then I also want to thank TDO. He was uh, kind of on the come up at the same time as us on Twitter. He's always been you know, supporting us. He's come on the show a bunch, and he and I know he's always down I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with him come playoff time when we're going two podcasts a week or YouTube shows or whatever. We got a lot planned. And then obviously the friends and family of the EB nation, uh, specifically, maybe even the ladies, you know, you know, sometimes when you're recording takes up some time, uh, tomorrow's Valentine's day and you know, there's some podcast stuff going on. So we appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. Want to give another quick shout out to uh, to Nick Bowens and Hockey Collective, too. They've been unbelievable. For sure. Mac, you got any names? Are you good? I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, uh, shit. Big Vogues, too. We got to give him one. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say your yep. dad. Definitely. He's he's helped out a lot in uh, more ways than one. Like you said, all the all the parents and siblings and girlfriends and whatnot. Love you guys. Appreciate y'all. Here's to uh, 200 more. And without further ado, class dismissed. Class dismissed.